The Revenge of By The Numbers is brought to you by eSportsBet, the industry's leading crypto odds matrix. Of course, there is no CSGO running right now because we're in the player break until the 14th of August, but there is still plenty of eSports you can bet on. They have League of Legends, Valorant, Babby's CSGO. They obviously have Overwatch, Rainbow Six, FIFA, Dota 2, all the esports games you can imagine, basically. If you've never deposited, then with the link in the description box below, you can get a 50% deposit bonus on up to 200 US dollars. If you enjoy betting on esports or if you just would like to try, I'd recommend checking out Esports Bet. All right, so <laughs> this is very weird because uh, it is not Pop Flash. In fact, no, it is by the numbers or return of by the numbers, revenge, revenge. by the numbers yes. as we keep going through the iterations of the show. And um, I mean, it's actually gotten more brutal if you think about it, because here's what you don't know, which is okay. the reason why Richard went to that naming scheme. So the original one was by the numbers. Then obviously the show returned, thanks to the patrons, it was returned by the numbers. Then the reason he actually picked as the third one, Revenge, is because his angle is he's a big fan of like classic 80s Hollywood horror movies, right? And you know, that's sort of like the way you'd name uh, them. Well, the goes. reason why it ended up being extra fitting, though, is why you've always got to be very careful how you name things, because names have a power in the universe. Well, here's the problem, Semler. Much like a classic series where the third one doesn't contain one of the well-loved actors, it just contains some other jobber from the industry that was free to just fill in the role, you know, and just wanted to get some shine off the, the franchise. So, you know, just I, I, I'm not saying anything about anyone in particular. No, no of course just, not. That's the way the industry works. You know, we are we are Hollywood now, boys. We're Hollywood. We're all the way in on exactly. Because <laughs> you know when Hollywood when they would do that when they just make like a third movie and they'll have the same characters and they'll just be like a totally new actor and you're like yeah. what? Where's the original <laughs> guy? And they're just playing it off like what do you mean? Hey Billy, how are you doing? <laughs> like, exactly. What is this? That's a different. I mean, sadly, I can't think of any modern day examples. Tom and Zuma. Like I was going to say, like a boomer. It was like I think like Married in Children or some show like that did that years back. But that's a terrible reference to give somebody. It's from the nineteen eighties or something like. That. <laughs> Dude, nobody's. I know. That one. I know that's a terrible reference. That's Even almost though... as bad. You have to understand this show particularly is legendary for me giving the most boomer examples ever. <laughs> like, like there was an episode. This wasn't even that long ago. So it was like two years ago on the one where like. ESL sent that like fucking Monopoly set to me as like a joke or whatever, you know, like trying to needle me by sending me a Monopoly set of ESL. Right. I say I make a joke. I got the on same there. one. I got the same one. Well, the I problem got, is though, I made Uli, a joke shot me a when I was like, like hey. I was like 50 euros. Isn't that how much like an, uh, I actually said how much an N64 game costs? <laughs> the M64 came out, I think, in 1996. Like, so all you need to know is I even did, just because fuck it, 
have Sam like edit into the actual VOD. Like when I say N64, they've cut it out and he just goes switch or something like that. <laughs> I actually don't like to edit that in because it was just such an embarrassing like reference. Cause I thought I was like 40, 30 years off on that. Like, Dude, why, why, why is that in a bit? N64 is the GOAT system. Oh, it was a classic console. It's though, the best say. system. Yeah. There was like, there was that going back a while ago, actually. Oh, I got a dog on the loose. Right. Uh, there was going around for a while where like they had like the head to head, you know, which was the which was the system that won, you know, N64. Oh, really? One, okay. Or like, you know, GameCube and yeah, yeah. And shit like that. You know, and so you were going like back and forth between the two. And that's, you know, N64 wins 100% of the time. I mean, it had all of the classics on it. Oh, it did. Yeah. That was actually one of those examples, by the way, of where, like, as you say, like mainstream culture got it wrong. What happened was, if people don't know, I'll give you a very brief history lesson here. The reason why the PlayStation is considered to be the one that won is because it just sold more. And it had more of like, it was the more popular console. Like, it was basically, like a continental thing as well. Yeah, here's the other thing. When I was a kid, here's the reason PlayStation was popular. It's because it was actually the one that broke through to like the lads, as it were. It wasn't nerds anymore. It was all the dickheads who wanted to play FIFA and Tomb Raider and racing games whereas that that's the reason why for like in my opinion the hardcore gamers the n64 was the shit though because not only was the tech better like except for it didn't have cds but the better part was it had all those classic games like it had all the groundbreaking like zelda like fucking mario they, like here's the thing crash bandicoot's fun it ain't fucking mario 64 let's just sit the foot whoa you better chill out <laughs> i'm back on that's that when you're getting into the you know what i mean the marios and all Come that on. i mean that had like the first super smash uh smash bros and all the like, shit that was, yeah Dude, that's when like there was that unhealthy we had the idea back then we were like kids back then too but we already had the idea of gambling back then because we'd basically put four bots in yes and just like try and place bets you know and you're not we don't have any money so i don't know i don't even remember what the fuck we were betting but like just trying to place bets on like who's gonna win out of four bots exactly. and shit like that you know just to kill time I, they even had it back then guys we were we were very innovative back in the day but uh, also there was that classic game Mario Party where a bunch of different people, friends, just teammates, try to get along and battle in a bunch of different mini games. And as each round goes along, you remove people from the game. So kind of like being in G2. So there you go. You, you, sadly, you can already see I was working on something. When I, that. <laughs> going, I, I made it last too long. I know. I made it last too long. Like, and it, it it's like the shitty grin started to come out. It was over already. I've got to keep a better poker face in that sense. I've got to keep a better poker face. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, it's, yeah, if you haven't caught on yet, guys, this is the second episode now, and um, Richard is uh, not on the show. I'll be I mean, he's never going to be. Spoiler, if you're waiting for it, like, if you're hoping, you're waiting like, for Richard to, like, like pop yeah, out. Exactly. Of the, you, know, you have to understand like, it. Nowhere. He's now entered the status like your dad who left when you were four years old for cigarettes. Like, he's never he's coming, coming back, back, and he's not coming back with a giant bag of cigarettes. So don't worry about that one. Richard's gone. Listen, it was great. Good times and all that. We'll remember him fondly, but he ain't coming back to the show, so forget about that, guys. <laughs> well, I... Dude, uh, that's that's the thing. Like, it is it is what it is. He's still cranking out articles. We talked about one last one last time around. And he's still actually there. You know, oh, in that sense, he'll impact the show. Yeah, I'm sure he'll so, do some things in the future. We'll talk about no doubt. Exactly. That's the thing. We're we're still keeping tabs. Absolutely. But like right now, it's kind of just this has just been a week that's kind of just been absorbed by Cologne. There hasn't been oh, really anything around it. It's just been insane. Like all matches have been pretty fire uh an upset Dude, you know obviously this is a conversation that's had many times but obviously this used to be a major if you go back to 2016 basically and yeah 
the joke is, if people don't get the way the industry works now, that's how you know ESL is the TO that succeeds the best because they actually actively choose not to have kind of eats and Kelowna's majors anymore because they don't need them to be. Like, realistically, if you look at both of those events this year, the kind of eats event and the Kelowna event, they felt like they were majors. It was the same sort of vibe as the major, especially now they do the playing thing. It's like, it even has the same vibe of like, you ramp up over three weeks, they go to the finals. Like, I actually get, they, listen, you can dislike ESL's orders and plenty of the shit they say and do and how they market things but they kill it with the fucking tournaments man they do very good i thought this cologne week was baller i was loving it that was exactly that's exactly it like it is building like katavitsa was ramping up because again it was like getting back away from getting back into arenas for the first time after rona so they had that really going for them and here cologne it was the same kind of thing i don't think they sold as many tickets that was like one thing that i was trying to figure yeah, out yeah exactly because like, they, they, they used they to brag always about being sold like, out yes sold out yes. that could mean anything they could sell 10 tickets they could send 10 000 100 you don't know if it they used to say the out. number though somewhere i know when it was like 15 or 16 exactly. they used to they always used to mention say the number, number. and yes. when i didn't say the number i'm like that's hmm, what you know exactly that's interesting yep. why aren't they saying the number and so then i start <laughs> looking around and it's only like hearsay you know like oh this or this this that or other but word around the block was that it was, they had they had sold like 2000 less tickets uh, from last time. Now, I don't know if that's due to demand or due to them having to like, you know, maybe not have as many seats open, different floor plan, whatever. There could be any number of reasons, but like there weren't as many guys in the in the arena this time around as there were in years in the past. So I don't know if that's due to Rona. It's Germany. So you can't, kind of, you can't, yeah, you can't know. Maybe they don't allow the full capacity or somebody who knows what exactly. There's all sorts of reasons. the world in it. And I'm sure they, they're saying, they're not saying the number because they want to avoid this kind of speculation. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So fair enough. It, I mean, you couldn't tell. You could like the crowd was still mega hype. There was just noise. Thing is, though, what you're mentioning is a, is actually a classic by the numbers fodder type conversation starter, which is basically that TOs absolutely do intentionally try to fuck with you on how they phrase things so that they know you'll take a perception that isn't what they mean. So I'll give you an example. It's actually something Tommy mentioned recently, Lopez, but he's correct. Okay. Like, here's a detail a lot of people won't know about history, right? Now, there's that recent story, obviously, that the euro finally dipped below the dollar for you. By the way, that is the first time in many, many years. Like, famously, I used to get paid in dollars a lot of my life, and it fucking sucked, similar Because not only did I bring it to Europe, I brought it to bloody UK and converted it into pounds. Like, you can imagine how much I was getting wrecked, right? Well, now, in theory, we're finally at a scenario where the dollar's worth slightly more. Well, here's an interesting detail people might not know, but it just shows you how cynical esports and ESL is. Back in the day, because ESL's a German company and primarily European, they used to list their prize money in euros similar. But what happened was when it got so that the euro got way too good compared to the dollar in like, I think it was like around the 2010s, mm -hmm. they cynically just switched to listing in dollars. So it looked like the money was more because obviously that way, if, if in euros, it would have been like 900,000, you could go a million dollars. So they just switched to dollars. So Lopez even said on Twitter, but not for no reason, like if it goes too far the other way, watch and they'll switch. They'll switch now to euros. Oh, so, they, so it'll make it sound like a bigger prize pool because that's esports in a nutshell. It's all just like fucking like snake coil fucking <laughs> shenanigans in it like oh oh this guy can walk now i can't believe it it's like he looks very similar to you no 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 he's wearing a beard what do Not you mean like, nah, no, it's so this is, but this is actually like it's fun that you bring it up because it's on, on like contract negotiations have you ever had that history as well because like yeah, yeah certain certain times it's just like no we only do, like we'll only do dollars or we'll only do euros or we'll only do this or that or other currency because at that time you know that's just the way that it's going to go like if you manage to get a contracting euro then yeah you're making like time and a half oh, not yes. time and a half but like you're already ma you're making away like a bandit on the exchange rate so that's definitely something that we had to deal with on like uh, that you learn early on in esports when you're dealing with your own contracts is that uh, depending on where the company's based it could be more advantageous to wait on the invoice or you know sometimes it wasn't you're it's like you're not even complaining when they're six weeks late <clears throat> ESL 
you know, like paying you because it's just like, hey, maybe the conversion you know works out a little bit in your favor at that point or whatever. So that was one thing. I'll tell you the one no one thinks about, because this is actually how you know media is not your friend. They will tell you things that might make you take action. And then when actually like something else happens that you would want to know about, they won't inform you. All you need to know is this, Samla. The last few years, when there was that enormous crypto bull market with all everyone putting all the money in Bitcoin, et cetera. I don't know if you know this, but there were actually a few really famous people like in the NFL who announced publicly they were going to take part of their salaries in Bitcoin. Now, here's the thing, Samla. When he was at his peak, they all sounded like geniuses, didn't they? they were, I haven't heard any stories about them recently. It's weird, isn't it? I'd love to know how this year's, how are you doing on this year's contract? Because <laughs> logically, you wouldn't want to repay it. How would you? Like, what are you doing? Don't stop. Pay me your money. <laughs> like, stop reading yeah, Exactly. Like, that's the problem with that story, isn't it? No one ever t- t- fills you in on the downside. Like, if that works, yeah, brilliant. But what, what about the guy it doesn't work for? So, Dude, I think I'm over here wondering, didn't, uh, like, is it the Staples Center now, like the Coinbase Center or something? Oh, something? there's also been loads of those. Like, there's a bunch of those, too, where it's like all the exchanges yeah. that were buying up property and buying up names and all that sort of thing. It's like, are they going to be good about it? Also, about hey, that. actually, a little bit closer to home. Wasn't that the whole reason for a lot of these North American teams looking to have looking to have North American CS teams involved as well? Because they were getting the money, like the money was straight coming in from these crypto companies all of a sudden, and the crypto companies can only invest in Valve. Yeah, you can't do obviously the TOs Blizzard, don't like you. Yeah, exactly. Crypto, you could yep. only do Valve because Valve didn't care. Yep. So you could you were actively looking to sponsor Dota and CS:GO teams. So is that going to be something that's going to dry up, and all of a sudden those sponsorships are going to go away? Watch and for see a slowdown or or like perhaps a deflating of the bubble going on again. Things might slow down again in the CS scene without that uh, crypto money just getting injected in. Because again, uh, you know, when it's on the rise and then up and up, then crypto guys exactly. are willing to overpay because they're like, fuck it, we got money and yep. everybody's got money. Let's go spend the money. And uh, actually, we're going to get into it a little bit later, but uh, that was a point that Kassad brought up just about how esports companies spend money. This is on Snakes and Banter this week, guys. Highly recommend Maui, Kassad, uh, Duncan. It's on this channel. But just click on, on the YouTube channel. channel. You can check in the VODs. But because um, I made some good points on that, you know, just how these orgs are spending their money. And we'll elaborate on that a little bit further down the line as well, because uh, it is it is pretty wild uh, just how uh, egregious it can get. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I guess we should stay all focused on Cologne a little bit. Oh, all right. So already going into the Cologne thing, because this was going to be like the main thing we we fin- last week, we talked about groups and we were kind of giving our predictions on how we thought the playoffs were going to go. Uh, one of the things that I was really looking forward to, and I I, don't, I can't remember if I brought it up on the show, but I did bring it up on my stream where I was like, I really hope that ESL knock it out of the park in terms of the production uh, this time around, because there will have been so much hype around this event. And um, maybe like stage wise, five out of 10. I don't, I, you know, I wasn't impressed in any way. I don't think they did anything to, to, to like innovate or do anything crazy. They really just did a bread and butter just a normal stage, yeah. ESL stage, nothing crazy there at all. Um, which really does actually kind of speak to ESL, like their, their company, the way that they view things is if it doesn't actually impact viewership on the stream in any way, like measurable way, they're not going to put money into it. It's not okay. going to be interesting for them. It's not about it for them. It's just about like, what's the direct return one for one on this investment that we're that we're about to make right now. And so producing this piece of content, does that get more people to tune into the stream? If so, yes, here's the money. If not, eh, not so much. So the stage, I felt like I was a bit let down. I was looking for this sick ceremony. I was looking for all of this and I didn't really see it. One thing though, that they did lean into, and this is something that they're going to be able to actually build going forward and something that nobody else is going to be able to touch and makes it really difficult to create content is they have all the VODs. They have all the VODs now. They have Face It, they have DreamHack, they have ESL, they have all these years of CSGO VODs. They have ownership of all of this footage and they actually try to use it. They actually, I mean, 
it they actually tried to create some cool historic pieces around Cologne, like building up the hype for the for for some of these moments. They used uh, like the simple clutch, uh, the simple graffiti moment, like that was cool. They created a little piece in the ad where it's just like, okay, this is the this is the context around this moment, and this is how that graffiti works. They have that footage and all that, you know, so you could, they can make all that happen. Like they did all this kind of cool stuff going back and actually trying to find footage and actually create stuff. So it wasn't just the throw to ad. Here's the wait screen. And, you know, we'll be back in three minutes. It was like they actually tried to use some of their footage and they actually tried to use some of their VODs to create some cool stuff. And then they built on that with the Cologne stuff as well, with the big uh, opening ceremony for the grand finals, where, you know, it's like year after year, hype moment after hype moment in this place. Like they actually were able to start doing some of that, some of that. And so kudos to ESL on that point that I liked. That's the kind of stuff that I really love to see, especially for events like you pointed out that stand on their own. Katowice, Cologne, they don't need to be majors. They don't need extra hype. They're hype enough now as it is because they've been so consistent over the years. So ESL have really got to lean into that now because they, they're going to have just, they're almost up to it. Well, they're not almost up to a decade. I think what it was, 2015 was the first one off the top of my head. Um, in the so Lanxess at least, yeah. We're getting there. You know, we're getting there. Exactly sure. in the Lanxess because before that it was at Gamescom and well, we don't, we don't need to think about it. Or just that. their studios or whatever in Cologne, yeah, exactly. Sure, well, they, that's where the, the ESL... Um, the EMS the ones, the major series. Yeah, yeah. located in Cologne, if you didn't yeah. know, if anybody doesn't know that. Well, the old one was ESL at least. Headquarters. They've kind of split up a little bit over in yes. Poland as well now. They've got their own studios in Poland and for a while they had their, their studio in Burbank. They had an office in Burbank. Uh, sales team in New York, I think. Like they're kind of spread out, but like Cologne is their home turf. Um, but it's just, I, that was like one thing that stood out to me that I was really looking forward to. I wanted to see what they were going to do and they actually kind of did it, which my, my, my expectations for ESL when it comes to production are down here in terms of running an event, my expectations are up here and they deliver on running an event. They make the players happy. They run shit for the most part on time. There weren't major fuck ups on the stream. All that stuff goes, but like the creative side of things, my bar is like way down here when it comes to ESL. And so maybe it's because, you know, that my expectations are so low, they kind of like, surprised me a little bit like oh they actually did something great okay cool because <laughs> uh, I, I never expect anything from esl because there isn't a clear one-to-one -one return for any kind of investment you're doing on that kind of side uh, for them that's that's a big deal so um i don't know i'm curious like was there anything that you were looking forward to uh going into the event like production wise or story wise or any of that that you got to see or were you just fully dialed in on gameplay and that's it i mean luckily because it's like the best tournament in the world with all the best teams it's going to be good in anyway as long as the match is delivered so i'd say yeah. mainly as long as you set up the stadium and that i'm generally happy in terms of the like side stuff the problem i have overall is this I actually do think that now they've gotten like pretty decent at the skits. Like when they've, I mean, people will know, I've even said it on this show, when they right. first started the skits, which coincidentally was like right after Flashpoint was doing them, like when they first started them, it did look a bit like make it more fucking obvious that you're just doing it because we just did it, you fucking cynical bastard. And even worse, the first skits they did were like someone who was copying an idea and didn't know what the point of the idea was because all they did is just take scenes from movies and just change the names, like Mad Lib style. Like, that, like if you go look at our skits, we created entire skits where the whole premise is fresh and the whole thing's like, like I'm, a, I'm a crazy doctor and then what if this player came in and his illness within how he dysfunctionally fits in the team represented as a physical illness? That's a creative idea. Yours was just like, ha, Imagine American Psycho, but instead of a card, it's his crosshair, isn't it? It's like, that's, here's the difference between those two ideas. Yours is one where I laugh for a second in the room and go, ha, nah, but let's do something better than that. 
you actually made that happen. Like man's actually one where it's like, yeah, that's pretty good. But how would we, well, I've got ideas, but we do it this way, this way. And then it's fucking really interesting. So with that said, now they've started to finally do some that do have that, like what I want. Like I actually thought those ones where people were going to confession, those were pretty funny. I will say, cause this is by the numbers, the one angle about that, that is nonsense. And this is where I do actually despise the modern world similar because here's the problem. This in theory, we have to have one position that makes sense. Otherwise what we do by definition is incoherent. So my problem is this. I don't have a problem with that joke. Like it was a well-executed joke, like Carrigan, for example, basically saying like he needs to bait people or whatever. Nico saying like, what was Nico's angle? Something similar, right? Like they were all saying, that, oh, he needs to be IGL. That was it, yeah. you know? Like all the angles are funny. The, the joke is funny and I'm fine with it. But my problem is this. You wouldn't do that same joke and have it be a fucking Muslim preacher, cleric guy. You wouldn't have that in a synagogue and have it be the fucking, the Jewish rabbi be the one. You would never even consider that because that would actually be considered offensive. So my problem is that, right? It's like, if I'm willing to take a joke, then everyone has to take a joke. If if you're not willing to take a joke, stay the fuck out of my shit. I'm just going to say that right now. That's that's the standard I'm setting in the industry. Because like I say, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I think it's mad hypocritical, especially similar. And people are going to go, why are you bringing this up? It's totally relevant. When you're now owned by Muslims, just going to go ahead and say, maybe when you're owned by a theocratic Muslim fucking country and like theocracy, maybe don't make fun of another major religion. Weird how that works. But in that it. would be uh, par for the course, wouldn't it? Oh, it is, but I know it's just nonsense. And it's like I say, it's not a huge deal, but it's definitely worth pointing out. Well, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to go along that route, it's also the whole hammering home of the cathedral of Counter-Strike over and over. They and do over that. That's, over you know what? That's mainly, let's be over. real. It's not just ESL, but all, ESL is famous with the crowd and the stadium angle. In general, in CSGO, I do think we're a bit feckless as an industry like that. Like people are just too, we can have the best event in the world. And instead of just letting it be the best event in the world, we'll ruin it by just co constantly sniffing our own farts about the fact it's the best event in the world. That's, that's CSGO in a nutshell. Every event, like that's why I always make those tweets similar where I'll always make a joke tweet during these events. If this happens, where I'll be like, How, how's the crowd I am clone this year? I wondered because they've only mentioned it every five minutes on the broadcast. Like mm -hmm. I'm fucking bored of this now. Like, why would I want, remember, I'm not at your venue. Why would I want you to tell me every five minutes how sick it is? This is stupid. Like, do it once or twice. Yeah, in fact, by the way, fuck alone, you can even do a little crowd segment if you wanted that. Have a thing where people have come every year since 2016, say what it was like and how epic it is. It's like a major. But yeah, don't hit it every 10 minutes, mate. Come on, don't like drive it into the ground. It becomes not cool then. like Because it actually, here's the reason why as well, Sam, I'm personally not a fan of that. It just smacks of insecurity. Like it makes it sound like you don't believe anyone was going to turn up. And then when they turn up, you're like, look at this. I've got a crowd and everything. It's like, mate, you spent like $2 million on the event, you daft fuck. Like, you're making it sound like four people were going to turn up. Like, yeah, isn't it supposed to be a legit sport? Didn't you sell the company for $1 billion? Yeah, I would hope there is a crowd. Stop fucking going on about it. I can take you to like the third division football in England. There'll be a crowd at that as well, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Doesn't make it amazing, does it? <laughs> it's... It yeah, I, it's you don't want to rail too hard on like. And I'll just say what I've said every time, Carmack. I'll say it a millionth time, though, pal. The reason I know, you know what we said earlier about how when something works for you, you mention it, and when it doesn't, you don't mention it. I'll say what I've said every time, similar. 
The year that I'll need to actually give a fuck about any crowd at an ESL event is the year Carmack posts publicly, here was the gate, like the UFC does. Because that's what actually matters. What actually matters is how much did they pay to attend that event? So if it's the UFC, the gate's going to be millions because also top ticket. That's box office. The reason you don't mention the gate for a cologne sampler isn't because you forgot to. It's obviously worth fuck all, isn't it? The, mm. the amount would be so pitiful, especially because you could contrast it with concerts and stuff there. The amount would just be so pitiful compared to sports. Like That's why we just tell you the number of people who went. We don't tell you how much they spent because we aren't ready for those difficult convos. They're a bit awkward right now in esports, especially by the way, this is, as you also alluded to, sometimes you give away free tickets to sell out, don't you? You just give away the last 2K and magically you've sold out. So usual shenanigans from all the teams. Dude, that's the oldest sin. That's the way to do it. It's with, classic, uh, isn't it? It's like sports, all that. Oh, we're doing a giveaway. And anybody who applies, you know, there's a one in ch- 10 chance. It's like all 10 of you got tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That's just how you save face in it. Yeah, to, to make sure you still fill it out. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You're going to do everything you can to fill it out, which is, yeah, they probably were just hunting down people trying to get them tickets at the end. But more, I mean, that that is just the way that it goes with filling arenas. So no, no harm there. None of that. It's just, um, it is just an observation. I don't know. It is just an observation. Like you, if it was something, it is interesting how like the culture is progressing so that you can actually try to make like also the, the whole, uh, like I enjoyed the fact that they tried to, that they used the footage, but it really was like, you know, gong. It was all about the church bells. I don't know. Like that used to mean something. It was used to, there was something there. There's something there. I don't know what I'm trying to say other than just, I think the point is that you wouldn't make that with, uh, you know, Muslims in mind, or you wouldn't make that with Jews in mind. You would, but with Christianity, you know, it's just open season. You can do whatever you want with Christianity. Where all that goes in it, especially bearing in mind, I'll just say this: don't the exact people who make fun of that exact type of religion always go on about being inclusive and about how it's about tolerance and about how we all have to like get along and care for each other and be compassionate? That weird. How it doesn't matter when you know your fundamental values of how the universe operates in question. Funny how that works in it. Yeah. There you go, um, other three quarters of the world, you could all get fucked too. <laughs> dude, it's not like these people think of the other three quarters of the no, world. No, of course, anyway. who gives a fuck? <laughs> no, what they give a fuck about is how the uh, playoffs uh, played out. So I was going into this where I thought, okay, you know, because that's what we talked about last time. I was saying that uh, I thought that the, the experience would play out in the in the first round. And well, First one went down the pretty much the way that I expected it. Yep. Astralis barely managed to make it through Mouse, but they made it through. And that's what I was saying. It's like the experience on the teams is what's going to work out for them. They're going to be able to carry on and get into the next round. They'll get soundly destroyed by Navi and FaZe, but they'll have made it through. Uh, half of that came true because Astralis managed to make it through. But then Movie Star Riders actually managed to pull off the upset against Liquid. And then round, and then just proceed to get utterly obliterated by Phase Clan, where it wasn't even like they were showing up in the same way. No, the, no, the guys no. who had carried so far totally vanished. Deaths tried to make some kind of move out of it against Phase. He showed up a couple times, but really, you know, I guess Team Liquid can't really feel too bad about it because it was almost like Elysia's performance happening on Mirage versus uh, Furia, where he just does a 1.8 rating and manages to just barely just smash through. They get through in two maps, and it's a lot of uh, to do with Elysia just managing to force that through. Um, movie star riders that third map was just deaths through and <coughs> career level performance on that map to get his team through that and managed to, to pull off the, the win so i mean that's why you had to know it was never going to last though because exactly. here's the problem right the other series they were winning somewhere were like basically 
the irony was, right, the, the one that they played great in but lost was when they'd played Na'Vi in the group decider game. They actually played quite well in the first couple of maps there. Every other series was obviously all the shocking wins they had over the big names, right? They were just outright outplaying those teams. When you watch the Team Liquid series, though, like for real, after as, after someone who, after watching 20 years of Counter-Strike, I can tell you the way that game was playing out was like this. It was exactly like the classic fucking underdog letdown. They could have won in two, but they didn't. So it goes to three. And then when it goes to the third map, TL was looking like, hey, they're starting to warm up. Like they're looking strong. They're on CT side now. So they just have to hold. Mm -hmm. Like suddenly, like all these like Movi star pushers are just getting obliterated. And it just looks like TL's just going to cruise now and win. But here's the problem. Like not only did TL sort of, I think, actually like bottle it a little bit. Like if you saw, they did like all, like they, they just decided to do when they were finally into like a potentially winning position, TL just did like a load of like, I wouldn't even say coordinate, just pushes across the map and they actually lost most of those rounds. And then here's the problem. Here's why you know that the win from Movistar was like the last fucking gasp of the Cinderella run. Because that Death Sky had 27 or 30 kills or something on that map. He's the IGL for fuck's sake. He's not like a star player. So like that is a once in a lifetime performance you're going to get. In the Think about that on stage at the Lanxess in Cologne. Like that barely got you over the line, but it did. So the problem goes when you then go to play a phase. Right, look, you can see what you like about TL. Phase is a very legit team and it, they were absolutely going to have way more win conditions. So that's why if I always say, if you're an expert and an analyst, the reason we hate underdogs, it's not actually because of the underdog. It's just the effect it has on the tournament. Like the difference is Team Liquid versus Phase would have been a very interesting prospect. Like that would have been yeah. a match a lot of people would like to see, not least because like TL has players like Nikindar. They can go head to head with those Phase players. They can do something. The guys from Movistar, they'd already, by the way, accomplished a lot by making top six. To make top four was a miracle. Like, I didn't have any expectations for them at that point in time. And also, it's just that's a way too good a map pool. So that's why if you're Movistar, like you made it further than you even should have. Like this what this really yes. was a miracle run. Like it's everything you could hope for. But also, if you go back to that last episode, mate, I nailed it because I even predicted what these fuckers would do. I told you, because of the scoreboard, everyone's going to overreact to the Sun Pius guy and they're going to make out like yeah. he's like the new Zewu or something. But if you actually look, by the way, here's the thing. My analogy is he's like the Spanish device. He doesn't actually try. Like, he doesn't have like a super fucking combat orb style. He's not like brokey, like flicking all the time. He's, he is like the traditional opera in Counter-Strike. He takes his position really far away, zooms in on the angle. And if you go like really close to the cross, he kills you every time, every time. That's why he's like device. He All the like easy shots, he doesn't miss those. He just hits all those. But you also saw, here's the difference though. That's why on CT side, you can rack up all the kills. But on T side, he's not some like superstar player guys he's not taking over the game you're not building all squad he had the T side on the same map of ancient where he just did fucking nothing so the problem with that guy is he's a good player but he was never going to like 1v9 a whole stage match against FaZe that's unrealistic to think that was going to happen so I think Movistar like it's a fun run I think there are some things you can take like I think you can take some like judgment of how good some of the players are but I don't think this team's ever going to do a run like this again I think this was like a what this really was like as harsh as it sounds like you caught fire a bunch of times in a run and then eventually you called off that's that's the way that it's a that oh, it seems to me yeah. as well though but i mean that happens I mean, we saw yeah, it for it's sure. like the obvious comparison was with copenhagen flames we kind of did that last yes. week as well with the uh, the comparison where it's like they peaked really yeah. hard they looked freakishly good all of a sudden they're competing they're doing great but you're just thinking sitting there thinking okay but do they have the stamina to keep going do they have the stamina to keep carrying on with this and the answer is i don't i don't think so right now not from what i've seen i don't i think this is where 
the, what I, the point that I was making last time around is that when you actually go up against top tier teams that have analysts and that have coaches and that have guys who are just going to literally sit there and figure out what it is that you're doing, guys like some us all of a sudden, you, you talk about him fading on the T side. Well, if liquid know what your tendencies are on T side ancient, if they prepared for you, it's going to be a whole lot harder sure. for you to be able to execute your game. And that's the difference between an entry level amateur kind of player. Who's got a few tools in his toolbox versus a guy like simple. Who's got the whole garage. You know, he doesn't matter what you do. You, oh, yeah, this yeah. Tool, fine. I'll go over here. Like, it doesn't matter. Like he's going to have all of the options. Right. So that's, that's just the, that's just the way it is. It's, it's perfectly fine. It was a terrific performance from him. And I, I, you know, I got a little miffed that they, that they had that upset because obviously I had predicted liquid because I really wanted to see yeah, the yeah. phase and, but then fair enough, you know, it's just like, that's the way that it goes and liquid uh, themselves, you know, wasn't exactly the proof. I'll even give you an angle that Maui Snake made on Snake and Banter that I thought was a very shrewd one. He okay. just didn't complete the thought, basically. Maui usually does come in with the goods. Like He, he said that there was an interview done at some point during the event with like like someone like Deaths or someone, like, I can't remember who it was, from, from Movistar Riders. And that basically, when they were asked, as they were getting all these wins, like, how are you doing it? Like, what's the secret? He said, essentially, they didn't really have an answer. It was just all like vague waffle, like, oh, you know, we have to play together. Like, here's the reason why. That might sound like, well, it's just interviews, isn't it? No, because here's here's what Maui didn't finish the thought of, but I think I know what he means. Basically, what you need the guy there to say to feel like it's legit is something like, oh, we figured out something on our Mirage and we swapped like a CT position or, you know, on or like we've we've been really like anti-stratting all the teams on our T side. If you heard that, you'd be like, oh, maybe there's something to build off. If instead everyone's just sort of like, we are having a good tournament. Everyone's French, by the way. Every, I don't know Spanish accent, so everyone's French. We are having a good tournament. Ooh, ooh la la. Like, that, that's not enough, is it? Like, you're going to have a bad tournament next. Like, that ain't good enough, is it? Like, <laughs> you know, one of the things I always think is an absolute privilege and a fucking blessing that was given to me, Sandler, is that in school, one of the only accents I was good at was the French accent. And then, uh, remember, in CS 1.6, we barely had any fucking yeah, there were no French. You know, they were like they, almost irrelevant. And then I obviously wasn't in source. So that when, when they just came into CSGO and they were like amazed, I was like, there we go. Right, write that down. That character can stay. As I've pointed out in the past, it put it this way, I was really good. When, it used to be a happy impression if we're being real. But then yes. once happy became irrelevant, and I had shocks. to like, I have to soften it. And, shocks. Bit, and it had to become a mixture of shocks or Smiths, depending on the scenario. That, <laughs> that was like, it. By the way, I've got a random story. Here's what we have to do also with this show. This oh, yeah. show has to also be used now that Samuel has got the statute of limitations off his career. We have to tell some of the old stories, right? So uh, as long as as long as this isn't too, you told me if it's too much, but you can always be edited out. There can always be the old timestamp. Oh, Although yeah. usually I will say timestamps tend not to be usually for the you. It's usually for me, but maybe maybe now <laughs> the other person gets a timestamp. So all I'll say is this: there was a story back in the day. If you think it's out of bounds, just tell me. We'll cut it. Don't worry. But I think it's funny as fuck, right? This is one of the early areas that I knew I was a bad influence on Semlex. If as if you don't know, by the way, boys, yeah, I am that kid where when you were young, people are like, oh, you're a bad influence. I'm like, I'm not doing shit. Your little fucking kids follow my lead, you little bitch. Like, raise a fucking lead when you want. <laughs> but anyway, obviously, I was the bad kid. Like, I don't want to hear this. So thing. I remember in the early days, like all the early events, like 2015, 2016, obviously, we would always be talking, me, you, Richard, Anders, the whole group of people from the green room. And what happened was, Semler famously was the only one of us who could fluently speak French so he used to go and all those guys in Berry Games and Titan and LDLC and all, all those got Envy all those teams he would always be hanging out with because obviously he can get the info from them and someone else he can talk to back then by the way even most of them actually funnily enough even though they could speak English that was actually back when they were all shy and didn't like to speak to mm. none so it was even like
like I'm sure it benefited them to have people they could talk to, you know, and have a connection to the scene. And what happened was because of these convos, though, they actually felt like they sort of like accepted Semler into their group. Because you have to remember, Semler's got that fucked up scenario where to us, it's like, you're French, but then to everyone French, they're like, he is fucking American. He is fucking scum. Like, so you're in that like nightmare middle ground, aren't you? So anyway, right? I didn't think this through. I thought, whatever, it's just French with them, isn't it? whatever. So all you need to know is this, right? Obviously, this was the era, 2015, 2016, where I was just roasting Smiths like every event. Like half of those highlight videos of me are just like talking about Smiths getting his arsehole ripped open, <laughs> like he's shit, like fucking shocks his friend, like ceiling checks, like 5K decoy. It's all the classics. Everyone knows them all. Well, all you need to know is this, right? Even though obviously Smiths would know, I, I don't give a fuck. And I'm going to say that anyway. So there's no point complaining to me. He actually got mad at Semler because his take was sort of like, Semler, why are you laughing at these jokes? You do not respect me. I, I bring you into my friend group. I, I be, we are we are friends, man. Mes me like and like and he got like really upset just from what I've done though. It wasn't even that like you've done anything, dude. It's just that you were laughing at the joke. Let's be real, like you were laughing quite hard, but even so, like because they probably they felt like all this. I know they felt like you sort of like turned up. You you betrayed him. You Judas him. That's what they felt like. Several. It's the that's it. The Judas. I was here. Uh, the the black sheep for the group. Exactly. No, the, the, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes, Miss Ami. Hello, hello, home. Because <laughs> I don't tell you, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do anyway. Don't worry about it. I do, you know. That's the thing, dude. It's like we go back on these stories, but I do actually like legit miss those times because with the shit. Yeah, it feels like those times everybody was at the same hotel. There was no like spreading people out across the yes. city or any of that. It was like everybody was at the same hotel. Yeah, yeah. So everybody was always at the hotel bar shooting the shit. You were just like you, you, you. The level of access that you had to the players to even just like shoot the shit about anything, just like hang out in general. Oh, for sure, it feels like it was way more back then than it is today. When you go to a venue, I mean, there's some players that are that that that'll still hang out or whatever, but like that's not. That's oh not yeah, if people don't know, almost everything's changed in that sense. Like for example, now events last so long when people get locked out at the beginning, they just fly home, they yeah, just go home the next yeah, day. Yeah, off. they don't even stick back, around. We're talking about the area where it was like a three or four day event. You just come to the event, you stay there the whole time, as you yeah. say, every time it's a morning and evening before a match. Everyone one's there you can just go meet that guy there nips over there and he's back here like yeah mm-hmm. everyone was around it was, and everybody it was, was like much more open about just like hanging out and you know it'd be like blowing off steam at the end of the day for sure yeah fucking long day everybody's you know frazzled or whatever and everybody's just having a beer before going to sleep and then it's just like you're hanging out and shooting the shit those were fucking good times man um yeah they're thinking about it but uh, yeah, no, Smith's, uh, now I now I actually remember this dude. Because that's all you need to know. That's how far esports has gone similar. Back then, I was the bad influence. Now people think you're the bad influence on me for making me hate women or whatever they think we do. No, I don't think at all. I don't even give a fuck sounds leading into that joke. Like, yeah, whatever, you know. Do you see that? Oh, dude, I gotta, oh, man. This Come is on. where it's like we need to have these images that just pop up in the stream because like, do you see that Instagram story I forwarded today where it's just like Bill Burr just fucking roasting the WNBA? Like you yes. won't even tune in for the WNBA. It's been no one. five years of the same bullshit. Dude, like, that's dude. the same point I make about the ESL to- like, tournament. This sounds very familiar. Yeah. Uh, where have I heard this story before? Because huh. hmm. people don't get it, by the way. I actually genuinely believe that when it comes to the CSGO tournament. You're the one telling people this needs to exist. You're saying all the reasons it's good. And you're saying that we should support it, but you won't support it. And by the way, yeah. I don't mean you won't support like you won't buy a ticket. You won't even turn it on your bloody monitor. You won't even turn on the monitor to count one hit. You obviously, that's about the minimum you could possibly do. So in that scenario, that's, by the way, in a nutshell, what I despise about people who are virtue signalers. It's like you yourself don't even live what you claim to live, but you're going to waste your time lecturing me. 
get the fuck out of my face. Because <laughs> you know one thing in general, by the way, as a quick aside, and we'll get back and see it straight after. Sure, sure. As a quick aside, the reason I think I'm really different to other people when it comes to all that culture war shit is too many other people start in the middle with the person they're debating with. I don't, similar. If some random person comes along, like good old Frankie did a few years ago, someone just pops out of nowhere. As far as I'm concerned, remember, I don't know them from fucking Eve, mate. They just spawn out of the universe. And the first thing they do is go, you have to explain and justify why you do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, I don't have to do fucking anything, homie. You have no jurisdiction over me. I don't have to respect you. I don't have to listen to your points. You have no points. You have made no like actual case for what you're saying. You don't provide any evidence. I don't have to do jack all, mate. So the difference is other people go, no, no, but I'm not racist. It's like, I don't need to even start with that, mate. You you can build your case and then come to me. You let me know when you're someone worth listening to. Because all these people weren't, were they? I mean, what they've shown is they were just a bunch of opinions that were just thrown into the wind. And they hoped the wind blowed the right way that week. And they, they seem like they said, Support the thing, but then when they actually came down to supporting the thing, you couldn't nowhere to be found where any here. So let's that get back it anyway. Goes. Luckily, though, this CS show does actually stick by its principles. We only care about world class Counter Strike. So enough about that ESL shite and go back and I am clone. I was about to say, but but but, but but like this is the good ESL shite. That's the thing. This is, we want to talk about the good exactly. Thing. So uh, if I was going to spend blood money. I'd put on a really good tournament, not a shit one with all fucking the women who go, oh, I wish I were going to be pro. Well, there's some dead people's money that we made off their corpses. Do you, you want to have a good game? Oh, I love it. Oh, fuck. Don't, don't put any men in my video. Don't put any men in my blood money video game. That'd make it hard for me. That'd be rude. What a fucking world. You know? <laughs> Essentially, Semler, <laughs> real women in real life have to die so that we can have a video game tournament where women expressly don't play men so that other real women don't get their feelings hurt. I think we've actually finally completed some sort of fucked up like like equation for how SJWs process like human suffering into their own like ego aggrandization there, haven't we? What the fuck is that? That's insane. When you frame it like that, it's pretty rough, isn't it? It's pretty rough. I can't it just starts, yeah, I'm just wondering when does it start collapsing on? Oh, it? the other one so, as like, well. because we it's going to spawn a black hole and just get... Technically, I never said this on by the numbers, so let's get it on the record. I actually thought the most amazing story ever happened the other week. Because as everyone will know, as I've gotten a great pains to point out, obviously Saudi Arabia, through their private and public investment fund, bought Thin Savvy Gaming, bought ESL and Face. We all know that, right? And essentially, there was just a direct connection to the leader of Saudi Arabia. Well, obviously, the United States president, Joe Biden, because he's in theory trying to publicly sort of play negotiation games about the oil and all that jazz with the whole energy crisis, he basically publicly threatened Saudi Arabia, right? So I even said on Twitter, this is amazing. Because what that means, think about it, the US president is the United States president is threatening ESL because Saudi Arabia owns ESL. And how would he carry out that threat on ESL? With the US Air Force, one of ESL's main sponsors. This is, we're at like a Monty Python level now, guys. Like we can't even satirize this shit. It's better. Like the, the esports would put the union out of business when there's no way it could run. Like you can't make a more ridiculous headline than that. Like the United States president threatens ESL's order with ESL's sponsor. Like <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Like what a crazy line that exists and real. The real the issue with being on the internet now is that half the time you can't tell if it's satire or if it's real anymore. She's like, nah, this can't be real. Turns out, yes, it is. Yes, it is actually real. This is this is the reality that we live in now. Terrific. Anyway, going back to the I am clone scenario. Luckily, here's the good side about what happened. Even if Liquid had made it, Liquid probably does lose a bit. Luckily, this final was always destined to happen. 
It was always going to happen. Like, these are the two best teams. These are even the teams, by the way, that I even think have the cool element of a true rivalry, where each of them really does think they're number one and that the other one's slightly worse. They really do. Like, the fierce guys clearly think they can win. But if you notice, every time, Semler, Na'Vi wins these semis and is about to go play the major final, mm. about to go and play this final against Fierce, they always, in the interview, say they're the best and that they're going to win and that they're number one. So what I love is this, right? It's not just that you have, like, like back and forth. What you want is like a true rivalry because what makes this match great, in my opinion, Navi versus Faze, is just the eye test tells you both teams could win all these matches. Like I saw people doing that on the major final. Look, if you want to criticize the major, here's what you can criticize. You could debate maybe they shouldn't have like drafted Nuke as their map. That's one angle. The other angle is like obviously Simple didn't play Superstar CS, but even then he wasn't like, it's like he fed the whole game. That's about it. Aside from that, Narvi was still in that final. They almost won the Inferno game. It would have been three maps. In this one, by the way, if you're a Narvi guy, I get why you'd be upset you lost because it was so close. But mate, this was one of the closest finals I've ever seen ever play. Like, does it world absolutely Narvi wins this? Narvi could have 3 0 it, mate. Like, the, the, yeah. there was a, this was a really great match. And it was one where at the end, look, I know no fat, no play, no pro players really going to agree with my sentiment because they can't. They're pros who played the game. But I actually feel similar. Like, if you're ever in a truly epic match like this, it's a bit like in the UFC. You know, if you have like an amazing UFC title fight, even if you lose on some level, you're going to just be kind of like proud. Like, yeah, I was in an, I was in like a classic match though. Like, that's going to be remembered. Like, that was, that was mm. like, entertainment that's what that final's like like even if you're Navi and you're lost like just thanks for the game it was fucking amazing it was a brilliant match this is this is like the final that pushed everything to extremes now yeah yeah in terms of like the current meta how the game is played uh, how long like to me it's still free like, i know i was talking about it on the broadcast because we we did that watch party together like, seven hour watch party of course eight hour yeah the eight hour long <laughs> broadcast it was like seven hours worth of finals it was just like holy shit now so just Imagine staying sharp in a game like Counter-Strike where you can't just like go off and it's not like, um, you know, I was trying to think about it where it's just like, you know, you got those guys who run like ultra marathons or whatever. And it's like, you know, they just get off into their happy place. You know, they're not necessarily focused, dialed in hundred percent. They're kind okay. of just like one foot after the it's other. Really yeah, yeah. I don't think you have my trick. I have my trick of thinking like, oh, it's just one more step. It's just one more mile. It's just what I, you right. know, whatever. But they're not like fucking dialed in, like zeroed in on the screen, you know, really watching everything the way that you have to be in order to play a match of CS. These guys did that five maps for fucking seven hours and are still playing elite level CS, not missing a beat. Just like, holy shit. The level of stamina involved with these guys being able to compete like this was nuts. And I know everybody's like, oh, well, you know, they play 12 hours a day, you know, like uh, that's just a regular thing. It's like not, uh, not all of them and not on a main stage in front of an arena. Oh, a, a live match is different from just scrims, of course. It hits yeah, different. Of course. You're the adrenaline dump, the big rounds, the Absolutely. crowd, the reaction, yep. everything. Your, your, your blood is spiking all over the place. You're doing like it's all just the the physical aspect of the game kicks in like none other the, compared to being you know to playing at home which was what which was always the criticize criticism of online cs it's just not the same and here you have a best of five final that goes all the way and these guys are still playing at an elite level by the i end. know how to solve That's the problem really blew my mind if there's a team out there that complains like, yeah, but the stamina you need for best of five, so all right, I'll just Not hire. That. I don't like that argument. No, just hire David Goggins. Just have David Goggins <laughs> be the coach. <laughs> yeah, like, Get go. hard, like Nico. Come on, you <laughs> fucking pussy. We're just gonna quit now. You know, fuck, fuck off. You know, like, I'll be amazing. He carries logs. Exactly, like, dude. Exactly, is, yeah. Dude, but that is the thing. All okay, like it goes either way because this would have been. This I forgot been, about. No, it was it was the boats. Yeah, like who's yeah, gonna yeah. carry the boats? Gonna carry the boats. The boats, Nico. The, the boats. The logs. They don't know me. Yeah, dude, Goggins is the shit. If you don't know Goggins, go and uh, go and check Goggins out. He'll, it's definitely he'll, a good he'll Google. Fuck with your head. Um, Google that. 
right. What do you like? All right. Already though, because this was kind of like the idea that we were kicking around. We're just like, this could have been equally an epic uh, best of three with how close it was. Oh, of course, yeah, sure. As, as far as the maps, but like in a best of three, do you think we see overpass or ancient or do those maps not happen at all? And we get the inferno mirage nuke veto. That's the, that's the other aspect to best of five that no one ever brings up. You notice best of five also tests the map pool. You really get yeah. to go all over the place. You have to really prove that you're consistently good. Cause I agree in a final. And by the way, especially when it's two teams who are like both uh, think they're number one, etc. I think this is way more likely that like teams would have just done like the handshake and played the middle maps. And then you try and do that. Cause that's the downside also to a BO3 is what if both teams try like the punish pick is like some crazy shit. It can also ruin the series. It means that you both try to pick like the map that's the worst for the opponent. And it might make it, you might win it, but it might make it a bad game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was what I was worried about as well going into it. But like thinking, thinking back on it this morning, when we were looking at it again, it's just like, we, it could have been an epic best of three, obviously, because Mirage sure. and Nuke phase clearly had a game plan for Mirage. They clearly had uh, Navi figured out on that. And Navi, you know, like Navi were fair enough to them. They're saying they were making loads of mistakes themselves, but I mean, some of those mistakes, they're not unforced. It's character yeah, yeah. in their heads. It's the players on FaZe's side that are prepared and got an idea of it. And then Nuke as well. Like, FaZe had a game plan on Nuke. They looked really dialed in. Oh, by Nuke. the way, that's one thing that, I, that has pissed me off recently. I will say, unfortunately, it's because Na'Vi has an enormous fan base. So it means you're going to get a lot of stupid people within that fan base. But yeah. I've seen a lot of sentiment that I thought was whack as fuck, Samuel, where basically people were, like, flaming Na'Vi for losing that final. Because, for example, you know, like, the ancient game or whatever, they were up, like, 15-4 or Mad, and then there was that like, comeback towards E. They were yeah. saying all that to me, like Navi just throws all Navi does is throw. It's basically like the same shit narrative they use for Team Liquid. The problem with that narrative is this: no, they don't. You mean when they're against FaZe Clan in some of the most epic finals ever, FaZe Clan can do a comeback. First of all, FaZe Clan's really do, good at doing comebacks against everyone. And secondly, if the only other team that can make you throw is the other best team in the world, you're not playing bad then, are you? You're just not playing peak CS. Because I thought that was like a really over aspect. Like, Navi didn't throw this final. Yes, they had rounds that were bad. They had rounds they misplayed or made the wrong choice. It was a mega final, though. This was a really high level of CS in general, I thought. Uh, I, already that point alone, uh, Mirage. Uh, if you go back to Navi versus Astralis on Mirage, they're down 12-3 on Mirage and they fucking come back. It's like, that's a team that's throwing? No, that's a team that knows, that has that supreme winning confidence, that knows they can win. doesn't matter the score. It's just one round after another, baby. It's just one round at a time. And if you have that confidence, you know you can win it. It doesn't matter what the score is. You can win. You can just utterly dominate your opponents. And that's exactly what Navi did. Freaking round after round, perfect one of the crazy comebacks in a semifinals yes. in a stage like that. So, like, the whole idea that, that, that Navi are throwing, it's like, get out of here. They have that killer instinct. They have, yeah. That confidence. That As I say, if it was like anyone other than FaZe, dude, they would have won. They would have just won this match. Like It yeah. wasn't that they threw in that sense. Also, by the way, if you're going to be a Na'Vi fan, think especially of Na'Vi in this sense. How are you as a Na'Vi fan just going to accept it? Like every time Na'Vi has a round, they had one in this tournament, dude, where like they had like Simple on a scout and then they had like fucking Deagles for everyone else and they won this like CT. Yeah. I think it was on Mirage. They won like a CT against like a gun round against FaZe. If you're going to happily go, ha we take those, then you also take the time you lose a fucking gun round, you twat. You're not even supposed to win that round. You're economically lowered against like a fucking full bike. So you have to take the rough with the smoothing couch. Like, grow the fuck up, fans. There's never going to be a best of five where everyone plays perfect CS. You couldn't play perfect CS. So, like, people overvalue that aspect. It's just salt, oh, basically, when they could have been their team more scrappy, loses, dude. Just like, remember, this was a great remember final. Ancient. Like, I like this is where, you know, clips are pretty slick. You know, you can actually go back and check it. But like, Brokey and, uh, and Rops, like, two rounds 
where it's just as close as you can go. And it just doesn't happen to go their way in the clutch. And that costs the map. And then it happens again. So overpass happens with Brokey, not managing to stop the diffuse. And then the same thing on ancient Rops barely misses out on that clutch. It could have gone the other way for phase phase could have very easily three owed this, uh, this whole thing, you know, Inferno yes. would have been a bit of a touch and go scenario, but like overpass and ancient, if those clutches go the other way, we're going into more rounds. And all of a sudden it's a totally different picture here from Navi. Instead it's Navi. They get the, oh, just like barely get it to break their way. That's how close it was in this. Fizz had some miracle sharper in this final. Like not only did they have some amazing clutches that had to be won, but I'm just thinking even the way that nuke game ended on the fifth map similar yeah. twists was like running out and just two, one bulletin people in the head, just open a yeah. site. Like normally if people don't know, if you're a casual fan, the end of a game, especially like fifth game of a best of five and you're on T side. Nuke, that's when you go, slower if anything mate. you you get a bit more nervous you don't mm -hmm. want to throw your life away you don't just rush by the way that's what's even cool that they won that way because it was the same way they won the major carrigan did that crazy rush as well if you remember on up the hut so i love it when people make decisive ballsy players that they win this off. is oh so go ahead no go on no, but this was uh, according to Twist as well. Apparently, he talked to some fans on the on his Discord afterwards. But like, this is a set strategy. So people oh, okay. were like, you know, how did Electron not hear? Was it right? Because I was speculating this morning. I'm like, well, you know, they knew it somehow covers the sound exactly. Right. There's so much going on. It's hard right. to plan that sort of thing. Maybe Twist, you know, everything just stars aligned and it's perfect that he goes in. But apparently, Twist says that that's a legit strategy that they call Canada, and that he's he's supposed to go with all the utilities yeah. as popping. That's when he's supposed to jump off a silo so that. There's no noise. And sure enough, Alexander <clears throat> just gets smashed in the side of the head. He has no idea what happened. So he's dead. And Twist gets two kills because then he gets the guy in mini immediately. And it all just falls apart immediately for Navi. So fucking brutal round. So cool to see. And also just to have the awareness to be able to call that kind of strategy yes. when it matters like that. Like, again, I mean, it's just kudos to Kerrigan. And I really feel like I have to look more into this inner shine guy uh because like that's the one thing and it's actually something that's a, that's like something that you guys were talking about with Kassad a little bit in terms of like um you know coaches and analysts and like their impact on the game but i am very curious now to try and figure out like more about this inner shine guy and more about like the navi side of things because it's not blade who's doing it all on navi side either he has to have help so like what's the infrastructure like on these two teams now because they really feel like they're pushing the bar in terms of preparation in terms of the game they're raising the bar and it feels like they are closest perhaps to having the system that works whether it's just good players with with like one analyst and a coach or is it a whole analytical team on the side of navi that's feeding that info in with the blade like i don't like we need to figure out a little bit more of like what the back end looks like for these teams now because it feels like they're ready for each other and they're just they're just head and shoulders above everybody else right now like i don't you know they they they, they seem untouchable in that respect so um a little bit of a what I guess I have to fill the investigative journalist side of things or whatever. Maybe to me, the only angle about this final that I actually do think you can crit criticize on Navi is just Simple's performance. Like, basically, uh, okay. the first couple of maps he was rolling, he was doing totally fine. He was looking good. He was getting loads of kills. If you notice, though, the last three, he definitely does start to, like, drop down in performance level. And here's where it's tough. Mm. This is what's tough. Because it's not like he's bad. Like, if people don't know... Like he got like there's literally only three players in the entire series got more kills than him over the five maps. So it's not like he's bad. He definitely didn't feed and throw the game or whatever. But the problem is, if you're Navi, like remember, it's with good reason he won the MVP after this final still, because his stats for the whole tournament were still nuts. So he was still incredibly yeah, still top three. Very, very strong performance. But the issue is, this is the final. Like, this is where. All he needs is like, if he takes over one of those last three maps, he could have won the game for them. They could absolutely have won. So the issue I have is this, since in Simple's case, 
we don't just call him good. We call him the GOAT. We call him number one in the world. We call him the best player of all time. In that scenario, like, it's not like I'm going to say you suck because you didn't, but those are the stakes you're playing at. People expect you to deliver every time. If you are a Michael Jordan type character, sorry, they expect you to be the hero. You're supposed to win the game. And that's one thing, actually, that I'm looking at a little bit now because when I look at the major final, I look at this one now, I also get the vibe, personally, I think phase is harder for simple generally to play against. I'm not sure why I'd have to spitball reasons, you know, but like, okay. it just seems like this one team has done a half decent job like if you go and look at all the times they've played during the year he just doesn't go off as often as he seems to against the other squads like this seems like a team that somehow was able to I wouldn't say neutralize him he's just not as he's not as dominant though and it's cost him a couple hmm. oh this is I mean it depends on how far down this path we want to go um because it's just like all right so uh say this whole marathon aspect of it right I mean there's no getting around it that simple looks like he's put on a bit of weight recently and obviously there's going to be plenty of excuses for that because of how, just what the fuck is going on but I, I mean, he always that, says he lives out of a suitcase, right? Yeah, so, yeah, he lives out of a suitcase. It's not a healthy lifestyle. No, You're of course living not. in hotel rooms for months at a time. You're not getting good yep. food. It's really hard to have a decent diet. It's really hard to have decent sleep. It's really hard to keep a steady schedule. All of these things lead to uh, good health, right? Good performance. Um, you know, athletes, there's a reason why athletes, you know, they go to sleep at the same time. They wake up at the same time. They get for it, sure. eight, nine hours of sleep a night. They're, they're constantly, you know, just trying to fine tune these things. And in a best of three that lasts three to four hours. Okay. Maybe you can get away with it, but if you're going into that sixth, seventh, eighth hour worth of having to stay focused, you know, the, the mental, the, the, the physical has to play a role that I've said this like so many times, but there, it always blew my mind that way back, even in like 2000, what the fuck was it? 2014, I think fanatic. So it blew my mind that already back then they were starting to think about this, but fanatic was the first team that I'd heard of that actually eliminated soft drinks and all candy from their, from their players diets during tournaments. You, they were not allowed to have Coke. They were not allowed to have that monster. They weren't allowed to have anything that had sugar in it. They could have like the sugar-free Coke or the sugar-free or the coffee or tea. Right. But they couldn't have anything with sugar in it just because they didn't want, they wanted to maintain that steady energy throughout the day. Right. They were the ones who were actually starting to, to start to look at this sort of thing back then. Like, okay, performance level, how does, how to, on a physical side of things, like how much does this have an impact? And like, if we can keep you focused. So again, it's like, how far do we want to push in terms of, because if, if, if you're going to start having more and more matches like this, where it's a two week long event and you're going to have days where you're just on it for hours at a time, like, when are we going to start seeing more of the focus on the physical side of things that actually start to could could the physical side of things make the difference for a guy like simple at that you know where he's like solid on the first couple of maps and then just starts to drop off perhaps as the day goes on but it's weird i don't know if like as you said you're talking about the physical side so obviously you can you can see he has put on some weight he looks a bit chubby and now etc oh yeah it's great it's like it's noticeable but like i would say this I wouldn't actually, I, I'm more concerned about like the mental state, quite frankly, because here's the issue I have, even though like, like you have to realize when you're exceptionally as good as simple as he's, he, he could easily cover if he's not on his game because he's so mega, he could still be number one. Like that's the luxury of being so absurdly talented. But I have to say, if you look at the way he's behaved the last few months, basically ever since they knew and it was implied around the major that someone was leaving, we didn't know it was Boomich at the time. We all thought it was electronic, obviously. But as soon as we knew the lineup was going to get broken up, he's been doing those like... His, his messaging has been really weird. Like, you notice yeah. multiple times he sort of implied he might take a break. Like, maybe he just takes a few months off or leaves the lineup and has a sabbatical or something. Like, He's streaming Valorant. And then it's just because they won Blast and they had a little bit of success now that he implied now he won't and now he's going to stay probably and now maybe someday. Like, I get the sense, like, he, he's pretty uncertain himself. It's just like I say, I think it's being masked by the fact that if you top of the stats, people are going to assume everything must be great. Yeah, now that's, uh, yeah, that's the thing, obviously. It's like, how could he be? How could, how could... It's um, 
when you're going to show up and perform like that day after day, they, they, we're not even getting like food is one thing. We don't even know like how hard he's boozing, if he's boozing a lot or not. I can, like can, that, yeah. that can also have an impact on, sure. your, uh, on your focus, your memory, your ability to, to dial in. So, I mean, there's all these sorts of things like extra, well, extracurricular, extra, yeah, yeah. you know, that that's not real. That could be playing an impact and could be weighing him down a little bit, but yeah, again, it's going into the player break. Now he's going to have two to three weeks to reset and, and hopefully, you know, we'll see that, that that jump back up in form. Also, by the way, this is how unfair we are in esports. Even though, to be fair, like, I guess people did make a big deal out of it when it was Fears had the stand-in and the one kind of eats it, etc. We all do just pretend as well. Like, when everyone is going in on tip, like, I didn't perform well enough. We're all just acting like him having a guy who's only played, like, two tournaments now as a stand-in. It's just like, that's the real team. That's, yeah. how, that's how crazy the fragging is on Na'Vi and how good Simple yeah. is. We don't even give him a pass for having a fucking stand-in. Like, remember, that guy isn't even the permanent player. Yeah, like I do suspect because of how he did at these tournaments, they probably will sign him. Like, it just feels like they're vibing with him or whatever. But like every other team, we give you a leeway if you have not the real lineup. Like, we're not really even doing that for Navi, even though absolutely, Nate, they almost won this tournament with the standings or mad props like in general to Navi. It's like their own curse. Like, Electronic hardly saw a dip in his performance. It's oh, for sure. Wild. He yeah, was like a 1.16 rating at the end of the yeah. event. You're just sitting here thinking, you're supposed to be calling. You're supposed, you know, you got Kerrigan down there yes. with like a 0.96 at the end of the day. That's the opposing in-game leader from the grand finals, right? Head to head. And Electronic is up there fragging like a star. There's just so oh, and then firepower. Here's the other angle as well. Here's the other reason why if I was a Navi player or a Navi fan, I wouldn't be at all like distraught at this result. And I would think, hey, let's get him next time. Run the game back, play the game. Here's another reason why. Yeah. Because just like the major, this was the only other tournament this year, Semler, where bizarrely Rain just had the throwback tournament. Like, yeah, again, even in the final, like if people don't know, it was like the major again. The my five, fifth map was nuke. And when he went CT side, he just started doing it again. He just started pulling off like the fucking outside nuke tutorial demo of like, here's how you control it. Like, what are you doing? This is the fucking final. So again, if you're Navi, you can't expect that's going to happen. But if it does happen in your face, you're going to win the game, hopefully. If your fourth is, best player goes off like that. That was the other reason why I wanted to really look into Innershine because there was a rumor going around that it was like Innershine took Rain aside going into that nuke and he was like, this is how you're going to play it. Like, right. this is what's going on. These are, these I think are the Chad said something like that on Twitter, right? Yeah. Exactly. Something like that, where it's like, apparently it was just like, Rain, I'm going to give you all the tools necessary. Now go forth and yes. conquer. And sure enough, Rain, yeah, what it, clearly, you know, you saw it on in terms of an individual performance. Uh, total beast. I mean, obviously, Twists is just a total freak as well. He's really coming into his own on the team. Um, performing on the T side, only one. I think it was like positive in the finals on the T side in terms of st in terms of uh, uh, stats. Actually, I can take. Yeah, it was. Right now. He was the he only was one. The only yeah. one uh, out of uh, all of the other players, you know, who was actually kicking ass and taking names on the T side. So he's <laughs> literally a CT well. matter by the way. Who was one player out of ten who was positive on the T side? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Over five maps. That's mental. Think about that's that. What a CT matter that is. Fucking hell. It's amazing. I it's just I that these phase this phase team just seems to be clicking in every way. It seems like they you never see there's any weird looks, there's any pressure or anything like that, or like you never get in any of the dirty glances that you can see in in pressure moments where something. Dude, goes this wrong. is another Especially reason. with yeah, how close the second and the third map finished, where you could have had two, you could have two opportunities where you could have ended it. It could have been three zero for phase if the clutch goes differently and. It, you don't see that phase. You don't. You don't see that phase in them. You, you see that they, they seem unrattled by it. They come right back into it and get to work on Mirage on the fourth map, as if nothing had happened, as if they hadn't even, you know, as if that it, it, it couldn't be the case that they could be up three zero and hoisting the trophy then. So they've shown they've shown true class. They've shown real real talent in this team right now. And it really seems like they're coming together and gelling as a team.
That's why I think they're the number one team, though. Because yeah. here's the thing. Na'Vi can shoot anyone out of the server. Like, they can be number one, too, and they're certainly still in the mix. But the difference with FaZe, and this is actually a quality that you only get in, like, all-time great teams. It's like you're saying, dude, they are the craziest doing the reset. They can even reset in the same game, hence the comebacks they do. Like, as you're saying, what's crazy is they almost have that, like, perfect chemistry that you have, where, you know, in the great teams, what you sort of want is that people, I know this sounds weird, but when it goes bad for you in the game is when you make it lighthearted and you just roll with it. And you're like, ah, who fucking cares? And you make it like a joke. But then when it's the moment you can, when you get serious, like, that, that's really hard. That balance is super tough to do. Like, there's teams who can do the lighthearted thing the whole time, but that also usually means they're not sort of like a fucking killer instinct. They don't win the game as often. And there's teams that can be serious all the time, but then obviously the problem then becomes, I even thought Prime Astralis did this dude. When Prime Astralis fell off their game and attended all those blasts, they started like raging when they were losing. You remember they were like punching yeah. tables and monitors. Like that wasn't people just rolling with the punches. They were a team that was only, they, they only had one mode and it was with super serious. And so as a result, we're super serious about losing. The thing about phases, yeah, they somehow like culturally within the team, they can sort of like, it's like they reduce the impact of, of getting a body blow from the opponent or losing a half or like, dude, they've the, got to be the ultimate team at losing the big round, like lose a massive clutch where you almost win and then they just come right back and win anyway. I'm really impressed with the fortitude of this side, especially because that's exactly what people tried to pin on Carrigan from the old phase, the Nico Guardian one. They, they tried to pin on him the idea that he was going to always be a choker and that he couldn't sort of make use of these guys. And that if you got on, if you got a bit uncomfortable, he's going to lose. It was a bit of the old Astralis. Carrigan, he's the choker still. That doesn't exist in this team anymore. In fact, no. again, you even saw in this final, Carrigan makes ballsy players too. He doesn't just sit back and let them kill everyone. He makes fucking players himself. He shut down Inferno in that grand final. Like, For sure. Who, who ended it there. Like he's... It like one thing that I took away, and I was just kind of confirming it as well, taking a quick glance at the at the stats is just the impression that I had in the finals is that there's just solid fundamentals on phase because they've killed their egos, right? It doesn't really seem like anybody's just trying to be the star or anything. It really feels like when you watch them play and interact with each other, they're teammates. And when they play on the server, when I was watching, the one thing that I took away was that they always seem to trade each other. It's the buddy system. Oh, they're really good, it, right? It's yes. the buddy system in full effect, in full display. One guy goes down, boom, somebody's immediately there just trading that kill. They've always, It's not, and also no hesitation. It's like somebody's got to run in. That guy's running in first. He's drawing the fire. And then the other guys, the, the second guy and the third guy, like it feels like when I watch phase, it's not some guy who's just like trying to make big plays happen. It just feels like I'm watching really solid fundamental CS where they're moving together as a unit. If somebody needs to run out, that person's running out. There's no hesitation. Or if somebody gets picked, bam, his teammate is immediately reacting and, and picking up the slack. And they went up a few percentage points on their traded, uh, you know, by, by the end of the tournament. I think going into it was like 19 and they finished at 21 too. So like, they, so it feels like that kind of like gets backed up a little bit just after that grand finals, that impression that they're really doing really snappy and really good at trading the kills and making sure that they're working together as a unit. I, it feels like the, the stats kind of bear it out as well. So that's really cool to see because I like that kind of CS, you know, I, there, there's something about the stars that is always going to be, you know, highlight. Everybody loves a highlight reel. You know, everybody loves a modesty, pop it off or, or a simple or whatever, you know, it's just, it's awesome. It's cool to see twist had his moments for sure in this grand finals. But what I love more, and this is why I've always loved those, those structured teams in the past is I like solid fundamental CS. I like guys who, you know, do trade, who play without ego and who trade no hesitation, who go in with the buddy system. That's why I always bring it up in cast. You know, it's like, this is the buddy system. This is them at work. One guy peaks, one guy swings, one guy, you're always working together. And so when you get those really solid duos together and they start working together and it starts panning out, it's just really sick to see. 
And I feel like FaZe have really got that going for them right now. So it's exciting. It's exciting because that, that's that's something it's not, you're not just trying to hope that you're going to keep being able to ride this this one player's high, like movie star riders, semifinal against FaZe. It was just, there was no like some pious who was going to have like this crazy performance or deaths or Mopaz, Mopaz with this crazy opening percentage going in, you know, into that semifinal. It felt like he could, you know, just not miss an opening shot. All those individuals dropped off and then the team wasn't there to pick it up again. Right. Whereas with phase, it's like an individual can drop off a little bit. doesn't matter. You still got, I mean, I'll give you the example, like, cause I've always said since they formed this team, the, the reason why I even thought on paper, it made sense is exactly because no one has to be a superstar and carry every game yeah. they have. I mean, the joke is no one could know that rain would perform like this. So if rain, if you add him and they've got four players doing that, then that's just OP as fuck, isn't it? So as people, this final here shows exactly what we're talking about. Cause remember the last player to join this team that completed them was Rops. Right. Mm-hmm. And when he joined, he joined in very similar fashion to how Nico joined Matt, phase all those years ago you come from mouse sports as a lesser team you join the top team and you're going to go to the top of the world the difference is they haven't needed drops to be like nico rops just has to do a job within the team because they really do collectively between well here's what's genius i'll probably do a video on it soon it's like they've got a superstar but it is just like they've divided up the stats like so you've got like the crazy aim like twists can just get kills no one else can get so you've got like an element like that but you just have to do much else you have like brokey just do like mid-round open basically got that nailed now you've got fucking rain has all these insane ct spots he can play that are just absurdly efficient compared to anyone else then you have fucking who's the other one i haven't done oh rops is the other player and like i say he yeah, actually he was even quiet and he was quite finals. underwhelming yeah he actually yeah, had he a few matches in the grand finals but it didn't matter he did just yeah. enough and then the rest of the team carried him through quite frankly so that's all you need to know that on navi's side we're talking about simple didn't do quite well enough and they almost won Robs didn't even have to do that well, and they did win. That's what's great. They did win. They won the tournament for fuck's sake. And there's how you know also, Samla, that they have a really good vibe in the team. Because even though, like, it's not like people criticize Robs, obviously the team won. But I saw some people were pointing out, like, where is Robs? If you notice, Twists went out of his way to sort of say something, I can't remember an interview on Twitter, that, like, actually people sort of can't see what Robs was in the team. And he did that thing where you sort of play defense and imply like he was doing something in the game that just didn't show up on the scoreboard or something, you know. Sure. I don't really know that. I believe it. It sounds more just like I like my teammate please don't flame him because we won the tournament but I could also believe there's something to that like that the vibe in this team is almost like because it's not that you're absolutely most carry it's like just do your job just do what we ask and then if the result's the result the team can you can take the plus and minus well it's a bit of a throwback but do you do remember um do you remember nip back in the day the heyday you know where it's like fifth got flamed day in day out no matter what but like oh, the whole gosh. team came around him like they were also a team in the sense that like didn't matter. They were there. They were always like just trying to protect him from the social media just because he was doing his job, sure, he was yeah. doing the job that they asked of him. And, uh, and you know, it's fair enough. That was how the team was functioning. And it was them against the world. You could have that same kind of vibe here as well with phase where it feels like it's the team exactly it's a unit together. There's no like divisiveness that you can see. No, what you do is you just sit him down and go, look, not everyone can carry in the server. Only so many people can be world-class. So all you've got to do is just do some things to make up for what other people aren't doing. Like for example, if Lauren, you know, if I wanted some water or my bag hadn't been taken out, maybe you do that. Maybe that's like the hidden thing you do. <laughs> Whatever. You get the job. There it is. Yeah. I was going to let you. Oh, no, it's all right. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but, you know, on, on the joke, other joke is he's just the one that counts the money. Then he's like, yep, that's 14,000 Mr. Heaton. Like, there you go to get right. Then Heaton's like, uh, and then it went yeah. through the NIP organization exactly. and then it was never seen again. No, he goes, I, it's all right. I'll just put this into the uh, NIP accounting system and you'll get it real soon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
the, the joke Caribbean is in the NIP up. system, it's like that's not even scanned. Like, isn't that like a shredder? No, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> Shredded all their money and just took it out of the back. <laughs> it may as well have been. That's what they may as well be doing, right? I know. NIP. All right. Well, being as there are no CS tournaments at the moment, so I can't place a bet for your recommended team that I think's an underdog or a good favourite to bet on. How about instead I just let you know about a free competition they're running on the eSports Bet website, which is the World's Prediction Series 2 competition. It did include CSGO tournaments when they were running and will again when they return in August. It has all the other games as well. There is a 10 million USDT prize pool, hundreds of thousands of USDT to be won as individual prizes. It is free to enter on the website they give you some djt to play with you can get more djt by logging in each day and also by messaging the mod mail on the discord esports bet uh, sorry discord.gg slash esports bet will get you to that server you message the mod mail there they'll give you some djt and you just basically place bets with this currency if you get high up on the leaderboard, you could potentially be eligible to win millions of dollars, but in this particular case, hundreds of thousands per person. And like I say, it goes across all the esports games, so you can really test out your predictive powers. I know I've been doing a pretty good job in CSGO recently. I've had a whole bunch of big playoffs for the major and Cologne, where I've gotten pretty much almost every result right, including the finals. How are you doing? And do you think you could do well in the World's Prediction Series 2 contest? Well, it's free to enter. So uh, I've just got like a hodgepodge of uh, different stuff. I mean, cool, then just pick one up. That us talking about Nip was just kind of just kind of got me on the speculation of uh, where where's device and like what's going on with device because uh, it's it is kind of like what Kasad talked about. I mean, let's do it then because obviously we can just go into this Kasad. Like, listen, trace the coach of uh, Astralis said there will be no changes, so that actually implies that my news from the major is not going to happen. So we talk about it. let's do it let's now. Just go into it. Let's, let's keep, just go into it's it. It's rolling right? anyways. Keep going because. So we're, we're, we're rolling. Right. So like, um, I mentioned the Kassad, like, uh, I, I mentioned Kassad, you know, talking about how some of these orgs function, uh, at the beginning of the show. Right. And so this is in snakes and banners with your show with Maui, um, and go catch the VOD. That was a banger. If you have, uh, if you've missed it, but, um, the, like one of the points that he was making was just orgs, wasting money, orgs, just burning money. And one point that he really hammered home was when orgs have players on the bench, and uh and so this is all convoluted this is all going to come together yeah yeah just talking about nip and nip shredding money literally but that was back in the day guys that was back in like 2013 you know somewhere around around there where it was a little bit foggy as to what was actually happening in the nip uh the nip system Uh, fast forward to today where one of the biggest player purchases you know in csgo history goes down nip make a massive deal out of they act like they're bringing in the messiah like he's going to save the team and this is uh, this is going to be the future of it they spend mucho dinero buying him off of astralis and then he promptly disappears and we haven't heard a word of him since yep and by the way, the way he left was really weird. Like if people don't remember, because this is the detail people forget somewhere. He left mid-tournament. They were playing IEM Winter. The team had made it, I think, I, I, either the quarters or the semis. They, I think it maybe made it to the semis. And he just left the tournament at that point in time. They said he was ill or something. You know, he was going through like anxiety or something. He just left. In came, I think it was the Fawzi guy who came in again to mm-hmm. replace him. They actually, I actually think they won the match off the top of my head over G2 and they lost to Vitality in the final. Like, what's ridiculous is he left like that. And then afterwards it was announced that, you know, he's taking time off. But then all that happened was there was never a time limit placed on how long. It was just, I'm taking some time off for this exactly. reason. And then he just came out because there was initial speculation then. We're talking about end of last year. There was speculation then maybe he's, because someone said like he's, he's bought a, place in Copenhagen again so the speculation then was maybe he goes back to Astralis so to combat that he came out with that 
tweet longer or whatever, where he sort of said, like, essentially, like, it is like a mental health thing or whatever, or like, don't speculate. I don't know when I'm going to be back or whatever the fuck. But the problem is, Semler, it's just too long now. Like, remember, we're in July now, guys. That what I'm talking about happened in, like, I think mid December. This is over half a year. Now, there's a few points to be made here, mate, because there's a lot that I think a lot of fans are missing out on, which is like, one, even if Device somehow has like not a great contract, which would surprise me, mate. If I had to guess, I bearing in mind that. he got a very recent contract and he suppose he has a whole ages you with him. I would imagine he's on the guaranteed money contract, mate, where you get nearly all your salary anyway, whether you play it or not. Which, which by the way, if so, actually does demand we ask the question, should he be sitting out and just spending someone else's money? That's a real question you have to that ask. That is a real question. Because the other side is, if fans don't know, normally the old, more exploitative contracts you give to a random player, like if I, if you join Fnatic tomorrow and you were nobody, they'll give you like a bog standard contract. It'll probably say, if we bench you, you get say half the salary or a quarter of your salary. And that's like a little bit you get, but you obviously don't get the full amount. Now, the reason I bring this up is because... Where even if he was on his half salary or something, he's still got a lot of fucking money now without playing that you're spending if you nip. And you're not getting any value out of him. Like, by the way, here's an element I find very weird that no one's discussing, right? If he never plays for nip again and he goes to the end of his contract, he has absolutely fucked nip, mate. Because yes. in the modern climate, if I know you're going to leave in six months, I need to sell you now so I can make some money. That way you can go to your team. They can pay me, say, 200, 300K. I can recoup a little bit of money. I use that to buy my next guy, whoever that might be. And then we all keep going on. The band marches on, doesn't it? If you don't do that, then not only have I paid you all this salary, essentially for nothing, at the end of it, you go for free to my rival, another team in my region anyway. And then the bigger part for me, I brought this up and no one else seems to get it, is, dude, they haven't even used him in marketing during this downtime. Like, I know fans were good, but he's benched. Who cares? It's one of the most popular Counter-Strike players of all time. If I, dude, if I get a four-time major winner in my team, even if he was on the bench, like I benched him, I'll be marketing the fuck out of that guy. Dude, it's it's device. You could have done so much amazing campaigns. Things. In fact, I'd have even told him that similar. I'd have said, look, if you're going to sit out and not play the matches, I'll let you do that. But at least do some fucking like side shit for me. Do like a, a, a documentary or an interview or something. Find something that we can do with you. Can sort of justify some of the money we're paying you because this this is going to end on a really bad note i get the feeling somewhere if he really runs this contract to the end unless he just full-on retires and never plays csgo again i would feel bitter if i was nip if i was the nip teammates i'd feel like what was that like what you just left for like eight months and then you never told me if you ever come in like far i think it's it's too far gone like he's still on the website they have blacked him out at least or like grade grayscaled him saying waiting for your return but you know, if you if you mouse over on the teams a section of the, he's still there alongside Rez. You know, as like the CS:GO team, like he's still actively there. So, but I mean, I think it's gone too far. I, th- I think it's too far gone now. Like this is this is seriously damaging to Nip because they oh, it is. not only not not only I mean it makes the it makes the, the the management almost look incompetent as well. You know, from a from a from an outside looking in perspective, if you saw like oh we're doing the press release, we're announcing like we're we're gonna pick up this star player who's gonna be the the flagship guy who's gonna really steer us forward into the future. We can build around him. He's gonna be it, and then it all just falls apart within a couple of months. It's a ridiculous uh, turn of events. It's actually it's. I will say there there is sort of a little bit of karmic justice similar in the idea that it will now be a player who fucks over NIP, <laughs> nick, nicks all their money and gives them fuck all in return. Like, well, you so, know what, Nip? What's good for the goose? Yeah, we need it. We need to <laughs> you know some of those old players. You know, exactly. the big transfers get right. What does this transfer to a bank account in Copenhagen get right? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but that, that's what it was. Basically, similar. This never was actually a real team. What happened was Device decided, like, I'm going to retire 
retire anyway. But it was his friends we get right. It was like one last job. And he came back <laughs> and he's just gotten all that money. He's got like about a million euros worth for all the analysis. He's like, there you go, Freiburg. There you go, Forrest. There they you got go. E-money boys. All the royalties. There you go. That's- the king right, of banana. What the king of banana? What was it? Ice there cream that Freiburg yeah. never got any royalties for. Oh, by the way, there's a little bit detail. By the way, here's what's great. We can actually also say things on this show. It's one of the things I love about this show. You can get info into the community that isn't known. So I'll give you a piece of info that I can now tell you because Freiburg had no problem with this. I can t- Although, by the way, there's a random aside. His name isn't Freiburg. It's like free there, isn't it? But like, whatever. We're never going to fucking turn that corner. So rewind that. Freiburg. Adam Freiburg. So Freiburg, anyway, if you remember back in the day, because he was the king of banana, they had that stupid thing where they were like, it's nip ice cream, it's banana and chocolate, whatever. I never understood, by the way, why the chocolate part, like, is that because he shits the bed? So I don't know why, why, why chocolate, <laughs> banana I get. But anyway, put that to one side. So he had this flavor ice cream. Well, if you want to know just to what level of country NIP the org was in, when we did one of those, it was for a different betting company, obviously. We did one of those. You remember we did like the little profiles that were almost like the major profiles for Flashpoint. You remember mm-hmm. we like sent teams out. We we did one around Freeburg, right? And what people might not know is he even said we just couldn't in, in the end include this in the actual doc because guess what? I think we had to like get Nip to sign off on some footage we'd used and they were like, we won't do it unless you remove this. So we like removed the fucking clip. But there was a clip where he just even said, just to sort of shut, like make a like an exclamation point on the nip on. He said, like, I didn't even get any money for that ice cream. Did you got nothing for that? He just promoted like an ice cream for nothing. What the fuck? What? what oh, it was just, I mean, the shirts, the branding, all of it around it. Like, oh, it it's egregious, isn't it? So that's why I say, if, look, also- if, I, if I take a wider enough perspective, they were due to get absolutely fucked eventually, similar anyways. So, you know, in that sense, I won't shed tears for the Nepal. It's the players I care about. That's why, as I say, what yeah. I care about is this. If you were those players, like that's why I personally hope and I get the sense from the interviews, I get the sense they do know he's not coming back to. Like, that's why I think they started making those comments even in the interviews. Like at the major, Hampus said something like, I think this is the five-man lineup, whatever. Like, you yeah. never say that if there's a real chance. Because here's the reason why I'm glad they're saying that. It would be actually an a, an a, a tragedy, in my opinion, if these players really believed any minute device can walk back in. Like, especially if you were like Brolan. Bro, I, like, if I signed to this team, I'm thinking, wait, me and you, device, dude, we could go to the top. This could be it. Like, we could win the major. If I find out you never come back, like, you're actually like putting my life loot in danger now, mate. Because the problem with all this topic, Sam, it's why. Spoiler, I think players will start doing this more. It's going to be the ultimate get out of jail free card. You just say, I'm having mental health problems and that gets you your free time off. But this is the problem I have. How long does that last? Because in my opinion, there has to be like a shit or get off the pot moment. And so I think it's something like, I'll give a rough, obviously it's not going to apply to all cases. I'm going to rough guide here. I would say after like three months, if more after if after three months you still cannot play active CS, there should be something like you agree that now you are like permanently benched or like you are not going to you essentially tell people I'm not coming back. You can't just leave people in limbo for three to eight to whatever. Well, that that's, can't that's happen. Where, you like, can't run a team a like that. Element of it as well. I don't think that you know you try to pull this kind of card in the CIS region or whatever, and they're just going to laugh you. They'll just fire you, mate. They will. They will just fire you. All right, bye. Yes. Uh, whereas, you know, in, in, in Scandinavia, it was the first time that I'd heard that where like, I had, I'd heard of somebody, an acquaintance who had that exact thing, burnout, whatever you want to call it, but they, they were on sick leave due to stress. And I'm like, American me, you know, coming into Sweden, they're like sick leave due to stress, like, and you're getting paid by it. And yeah, they're paying my salary and everything. I was just like, how long has this been going on? Oh, I've been out for like six months. And I'm just like, I'm just saying you're going like, so this is like there's all sorts of safety nets in in uh, in Scandinavia and like how they how the employers and the companies and all that sort of interacts. So the only thing that I can assume is that there's no way that they're employees. 
And so they have to be contract. It has to be, uh, they have to be contractors with, uh, and there has to be some like weird Swedish law that's going on here is what I'm saying. That's, that's protecting device in his relationship with nip. Okay. Because I think in any other world, if it comes to competition like this, nip kick him after two months and say, right, goodbye. But there has to be yes. some kind of Swedish law, something that's keeping him from being able to just be like, bye. Now, it, it, there's no way that he comes back. I don't think you're, if you're a teammate, you can even look him in the eye at that point. And also, I mean, I don't know how you look anybody in the face if you're device at that point. If you, if, if oh, it's man. been like a mental, a real mental health issue, then fine, fair enough. It's a real mental health issue and like, okay. But if you've been leading them on at all, if is it, it's just like, oh, I want to go back to Astralis, but I can't make that happen. Because oh, if any of this broke. was for negotiation, yeah, it's if, the, exactly. Then, yeah. If any of this was for a business perspective Great. of like, well, I need, I like, I don't want to be on this team anymore. I'm back in Copenhagen, yes. and I want to, and I want to go play with somebody else. But nobody wants to pay my buyout because Nip happened to spend a million bucks to get me off of Astralis, so they need to get that money back, and nobody else wants to spend that money. If it's at all tied to that, dude. And like, by the way, I hope Nip can sue at that point. Like, I hope there's some before any fan does what they're going to do because this even happened actually during the case of Glaive and Zipnik's taking that time off back in 2020. So at the time, Casper Hid tried to even imply that, like, me and Richard were like disrespecting them by speculating about their mental health. Whereas what we actually did was make these points here because if people don't know, in 2020, when those players took the time off, that was part of why they did it, Samla. Part of why they did it was to potentially negotiate separately. Like, if people don't know, there was a real world where not only the entire team could have been sold, like, famously, they could have been sold to Cloud Nine, mm. but like, Zipnik's could have been on the Henry G cloud nine like that that all could have happened like these things were like essentially the even though they said i'm leaving because i need time off like they just might have never returned if certain deals had happened it, that just didn't end up being the way it played out so fans don't really know in public so that's, that's the reason true. that's why i said earlier the danger here is this it goes hand in hand because it's such a serious topic and crucially you can't from the outside know if it's true or not you have to just trust the person or an expert that's why it will be abused similar because it's it, it, it it's the ultimate shield because if you say well, that we how, how can someone come out if they don't know and go you don't have it like you can't we can't know that we have to assume they do and, and unless they're shown to be a liar basically well what was the massive what was the other the death of me too right now basically with amber heard and all that right where it's just like it, it just gets put if it's if it's if somebody starts abusing it they're going there's going to be more people who are going to be willing to abuse it down the line so oh, absolutely yes, talked about right because become a meta, definitely exactly. were like yes me too kicked off Weinstein and all that shit. Yeah, fine. Fair enough. There were some fucked up things that needed to come out into the open so that it could be addressed and we could move on. But then, of course, it can get taken advantage of. And as soon as it starts getting taken advantage of in that manner, where like herd comes along, just fabricating shit and all that, it's gone too far and it gets and it can be completely abused. And now you're going to have the the nobody's going to be able to use that again because it's been discredited, if that makes sense. Right. Like you're. <laughs> well, this is a joke you're... I have to tell you because it is good. <laughs> oh, shit, it scared. is a good one. Like, no, no, no. Like, don't real quick. I'm going to tie this up. Because it's just it's the same thing here, right? Oh. If players start, if they if they want to use like a stress or you know, hey, I'm I'm stressed out and I need a break. If they're gonna start using that as a negotiation strategy, then it's all gonna fall apart from there. Oh, no is, player yeah. in the future is gonna be able to call that in good faith because no team is gonna be able to trust them, and the public aren't gonna be able to. We have them. to be cynical, of course. We have yeah. to be cynical because you know yeah. that's just the that's just the way things are. Okay, now yeah. let's hear your that's why, by the way, in the future, the difference is now you can just do it because they might give you the time. In the future, it'll be like Zipix. You have to just have a doctor's note. I'll just be what yeah, it'll exactly, be. Exactly. Yeah. If people 
people keep abusing it, that'll just have to be what it is at that point in time. Like the joke was this. It's a slightly edgy one, but it's a good one because it's just a semantic joke, isn't it? So if you don't know the joke here, it's going to actually confuse Europeans. But if you're American, you'll get the joke. And if you're European, don't worry about it. It's not like a great joke anyway. Basically, the guy, the joke was like this. He was like, when they started that movement, I thought, how inappropriate. Someone's told their story about what's happened to them and you think it's appropriate to do a pound me too. How inappropriate. <laughs> It's because in America they call bizarrely that hashtag the pound sign for some reason. It's just a joke about the semantics, meaning, but it's a good one. It's a banger in it. I know. It's good. It's a banger. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I know. That's a solid one, dude. Good shit. Uh, well, that kind of just leaves us wondering, man. I mean, that's the thing. And it, it, it just, the reason why it's, it's still an interesting topic is that everybody's wondering. Like every morning in my stream, I get asked at least once. What's, the thing what's is what I hear about this summer is I just hear every aspect of it. Like I'll give you an example. Even if your device yourself, let's imagine, right? Because like I say, if if we're assuming he one day would like to play professional CS again, right? The assumption right now, despite the fact we can talk about it in a second, the assumption is he wants to go back to Australia because it's the place he knows and he can be in Denmark. Yeah. Even if that's true, that in itself, this is what I hear about this move. It's like device. Do you not know what sports are, mate? Because I made this point when he joined NIP because he'd been basically in the same team org, like not the same org, but like the same team in different orgs for the whole of his career. He's never really played the market. He's never been a guy who's moved between teams, right? This guy, if he just goes back to Australis, he will now have twice fucked up the two most potentially beneficial movement periods of his entire career. Like, dude, when he went to NIP, I mean, we now found out apparently it was just for that fucking girlfriend to live yeah. in Stockholm. These are the dumbest reasons ever to change your career. Like, in that scenario, if you're, I made the point at the time, that at that time, bear in mind, he speaks English, he is the best fucking like opera traditional opera in the world and everyone would want him in their team he could have gone to any team he wanted he could have been in g2 when he could have been in phase winning the major same thing now like why now does he have to go to australia look pick it as an option but if you really are going to go back again just let people behind the scenes know let's actually have bidding like maybe vitality wants you know i'm picking random names out here maybe some of these teams look like (laughs) like it'd be so stupid to end your career and just go well i went to nip because my girlfriend was there then i went to australis because i went to live in denmark these are shit reasons when you want the greatest players of all time like you could still do some big things on the way out the door these last few years this could be like a renaissance it doesn't have to end after one year or whatever where would you where would you put him right now? Like just off the top of your head, like if you if if, if I could position option. him in a team, me I I put him in a squad tomorrow. No, no, no. But like put him onto a team. Like where which which yeah. team would you go? I'm into? trying to think what I would pick. Let me think. It's, it's like fucking with FaZe now feels almost the problem is so here's, good. The, here's the issue. Obviously, I think device is a better opera than Brokey, but as you say, the issue is this when a team shows chemistry like FaZe has, you don't change anything until they stop winning. Like you just exactly. keep you ride it out. So the problem I have is this. Right. Obviously, G2 won't want him because they paid 600k for Monacy, but like device is device, man. I would still do that if I could. The problem with the Vitality one is they've got Zemu, obviously, so I doubt they're going to be in the market for an Orpa. Yeah. I mean, the another obvious one to me would have been Team Liquid, but who the fuck knows? Maybe they're not into that. Who knows? I don't get that one myself. That's the problem. The stupid thing about it is this, Sabla. 
really high level tier one orpa who speaks English is about the most eligible transfer in the entire world of CS. Think about all the international teams that want that player. OG would have wanted it until they got Dexter. Entz has Hades, but they just don't have any fucking money to the device. No. Like, there's a million teams this guy could go to. The joke is, as much as everyone thinks it's obvious he should go to Astralis, it isn't actually... Astralis wouldn't be number one with device, I don't think. I actually don't know if he should go back to Astralis. I feel like at the moment, he's of more value to Astralis than Astralis is to device, if you know what I mean. 100%. I mean, there's no, there's no question that. I mean, the dream would obviously Farley put him on heroic. Astralis. How about that? That'd but be that, interesting. That, that's interesting, but then who calls? Because that you're heroic. It's Katie. Make Katie a, a rifler. Oh, make Katie a rifler and let him take over. Okay. Because think about it. Here's what you've never had in that team. Because Katie was never a dominant orper, you've never actually got that much from the orp in that team. Now imagine in that team instead, because Katie's going to be a bit less impactful as a rifler. But you have Stone and Device, dude. You got a nice one-two punch there. That's fucking fire. Yeah, that could actually be Street Fire. And I think he'd love the team. Tactical CS, man. I think he'd like that style of play. He's, Again, he's in Copenhagen. The downside is, unfortunately, this is where Heroic didn't... I think Heroic never won the lands, unfortunately. So even though towards they're above Astralis and they went above... I don't think people like Device necessarily think that. Like, I think actually the Astralis players are sort of like there, yeah, whatever, who gives a fuck about Heroic. Like, I don't think they sort of vibe with them as much. So I don't, I don't no. think he would go there, unfortunately. I, I think it's like, in his mind, it might be beneath him. Yeah, that's also, what I think. I mean, if you yeah. were to put like the 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 attractive thought about I mean the attractive thought about device returning to Astralis is that then you have Blame F, you have Config, and you have Device. You've got something, I mean, yeah, sure. That's a that's that's a pretty scary trio. If those guys are all firing on all cylinders, I mean Blame F is really good. good. Config is still shaky if since the wrist surgery, it sucks to say, but he's not he's not consistent. Um, but then if you put device in there, you know, all of a sudden that's taking some pressure off of config, and maybe that that reduction in pressure means that config is able to step up, and all of a sudden you got two excellent riflers in an opper. That could be some really sick. Uh, some, I mean, you kind of do have to break this narrative because right now the way that it looks with Astralis and the struggling that's going on there, well, it's actually, I mean, it's not like Vitality are exactly knocking it out of the park either, are they? So the whole idea of you know like who was actually calling it was it Glare Zonic, you know who had the, who was the master oh, the whole right thing there. right but it's not like Vitality are really you know crushing it either they're kind of on the struggle bus oh here's the thing to say though because obviously the topic let's discuss it now basically Trace the coach of of um, Astralis now sure. after this Cologne event he has said it was the title of the interview there will be no changes basically now the reason that is shocking is because first of all as on this show but when Richard was on it a while back around the major I revealed that I heard from a very legit source that she device and Val we're going to go back to Astralis and it was even implied to me if you think of the timing it was at the major that it would be this period when they do it because you do it yeah. so you could have the run up to the next major right as you'd expect well instead we're having this weird messaging where they're saying there's going to be no changes and because they've just finished top four at Cologne uh, well you have to understand Samler they're number five in the HLTV rankings now this is exactly yeah. where you get trapped if you're a, if you're a team because yeah. that sounds like what do you mean bro we were just top four one of the biggest events of the year we're number five yeah here's the thing you're that in the weakest period like right now is when all those teams were talking about g2 vitality liquid they're all yeah. in a shit place vp destroyed turns them outsiders cloud nine dodgy as fuck ends dropping off probably gonna lose sphinx like right now is basically the easiest time to nick that spot like you saw from their run they didn't have to beat all these monster teams to get there they beat a couple of okay squads a few teams underperformed there's a lot of upsets and they somehow wound up top four the difference is that top four isn't replicable. Like that, what you know, if this was tennis, that's the best analogy to use to think about this way, Sandler. If people don't know the way tennis system works, is very fascinating. What they do is when you win points for a tournament, the tennis point system is always exactly one year. 
So what they do is this. If you win Wimbledon, right? Let's say you get a random amount. I'll give you about 10,000 points for Wimbledon. That means next year at Wimbledon, you're defending those 10,000 points because at the end of Wimbledon, you'll have lost the points and you'll get whatever you get for that Wimbledon. So what it means is when you have an overperformance, you, you actually know when the guy will drop off next because when it comes to that next tournament, he's not going to get as high. So similarly, if you just wait three months, Australia's ain't going to be fifth in the world. They're going to go like to 10th and then they're probably going to be 13th. Like that's the problem. This squad doesn't actually, with this lineup, in my opinion, have potential. They've played with this lineup for a while now. We're actually seeing, in my opinion, like the limits of what this team can do. They're all right. They're not terrible. They're all right. And as we said, play like, Murphy is really good. Comfy can be good, but they're not going to win tournaments. Like this team, no. there's no work, like there's no bracket they could have even gotten here somewhere. Like even if somehow they beat affairs, they weren't going to beat Narvi. So like, you know what I mean? Like there's no world they're winning. So if I were them, I wouldn't be doing what they currently claim they're doing, which is sticking with the same squad. I actually think they do need like at least one big change. I think the, the issue is, and I'm just double checking this real quick, is that, um, I just think, you know, like when, when we talk about the speculation of like making plays to pick up bigger, bigger players, uh, the vice comes with the price tag attached and Valda, I'm pretty sure it comes with the price tag attached. Oh, it does. If, yeah. If, you know, he's, he's on OG, the OG aren't going to give him up for free yep. and device. I mean, we're talking about one of the biggest buyouts in CS history. It's not like nip are going to give him away for free either. There was even speculation that device was willing to put up a part of the buyout or something like that to try and make, uh... it <laughs> dude, have you not heard that? The, when do the that? when do the fucking tales of cockery end like so now you're gonna pay your own buyout as well to go back to the same team fuck it when you get there give them a disc why don't you pay nicola nyum to play on Australia? Like, what's going on here this is mental now how wrecked can one guy get like oh and there's a final detail i'd just like to announce i took all my all my nip salary in luna it's like <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, how much worse does it get for this guy? I know, like, I'm trying to figure out more ways he gets fucked by the world. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> brutal. Why are we, why am I, I so hard? I know, it shouldn't be that funny, but I, it's like, not. This is some great depression chucking yourself out of a window is because you're a stockbroker and you lost everything. <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, all right. Speaking of stocks, the reason why I don't think that Astralis are going to do it is simply because their their stock is is worth less than half of what it was at this point last year, and even then it was already on a free fall. So, like I don't know what's keeping the doors open. I personally, think as a team in general, similar. That's why the device story actually pisses me off as well, because it's the only scenario in which they could get a potential world class player that would want to join their team. It's the only one. All the other ones wouldn't. So the reason why it annoys me is because Astralis, the org, I've always said this. I've been waiting for this period. I was waiting for when the classic lineup broke up because the Astralis org has tried to sell you a narrative that they made that narrative. They made that team and they're the reason the team was successful. And I knew, well, that's obviously not true. So I said, I can't wait till they just get some, just some all right players like this. Like it's not like far, you shit. He's just an all right Danish player. Yeah. And guess what? If you give a bunch of all right players and a few good ones to Astralis, they didn't build that fucking amazing team. They already got that core from before. They made like one or two That's changes. It. So as of, And they don't have Zonic, who they themselves in theory gave the power to make those changes. So Astralis isn't supposed to be a top org if people don't get it. I, I don't think people even get it. Like as an esports org, they're not enormous. Like there's loads of orgs that aren't even in CSGO similar. That fans from CSGO wouldn't get it a way bigger. Like, 
I'll give you an example. Like, you know, like the like fucking optic or envy or something. They're way bigger than Astralis is for fuck's sake. Like Astralis is at this point in time just survives off the odd CSGO run and having an LEC spot, not even having a good team, just having an LEC spot. That's about all they've got in esports. Like they've got fuck all. So I actually think, quite frankly, it sucks because as you've seen, they are not a team that's shown any commitment to spend money. Like as you're saying, we don't even know if they'll they'll buy out Valde. Maybe it's too much for them. Maybe they yeah, I don't they, want to pay three. They have the funds. Yeah, maybe really they don't, don't want to. And as you're saying, if, if they don't have fuck up, like obviously they made the stock play, it didn't work out. They've had a few rounds of VC, etc. Like they aren't a team with unlimited money like the others do. People, people don't realize people like EG can waste money in ways people like Astralis cannot. You know, that's that that's all that is actually like the topic now, I think that needs to be addressed and needs to be looked into a bit more because then it involves like actually trying to figure out like who owns what because it's so sure. connected. It's so it's it gets really fuzzy, but like just how much money do these teams really have to play with? Right. And are they going to be able to keep inflating salaries, keep inflating buyouts? Because let's be straight. Uh, and for, as far as CSGO is concerned, you know, the only teams like it was a meme and I'm surprised at how, how it got laughed at so hard when they, when Copenhagen flames announced that they were profitable for last year. Right. And it was like $6,500 sure. or something like that. And everybody was like, Oh, you know, yep. I'm like, guys in esports, everybody else is like yeah, 10 million, $12 million yep. in the red, like fucking bleeding money. They're never going to see that money come back at any point in time. They're just, just hemorrhaging fucking investor money. And these guys are over here trying to figure it out. Same as Ents, same like there's BME. There's a few companies that are in the space that are really trying to just grow it. Like they, they grow it year on year, only profit and really just try and grow the thing. And so it's like, you got, you got guys like that, but then, yeah, you have the others where it's just like, they, they are hemorrhaging money, but they have so much of it because they've managed to swindle. <laughs> like as far as I'm concerned, it's like, they just managed to swindle these investors to get them to just dump tens of millions of dollars into their companies. And so they're just like playing with house money or something like funny money to them. It's not a real number anymore. It, it, like, that's the thing. It's just not a real number. You get the impression. They're like, Oh yeah, that's salary. Fine. Let's do it. Let's just, just roll with it. It doesn't matter. I was like, this, this doesn't make sense. This is, this is crazy. Like, how do you continue to have a scene when, when, when like half of the, half of the scene are, are, are like playing with hacks, they're playing with cheat codes. It's like, how do you, how do you continue to have a scene that when, when it's that, when it's that sort of scenario, I don't, uh, I don't get it. Like to me, that's just like the truly amazing thing that ends, for example, are able to come in consistently grow year on year, just, just by, you know, getting sponsorships in selling merch, building a brand, building all that following that community, and then actually have a, a, a team that is able to compete in these events. It just blows my mind when you've got the likes of G2 and well, they might be about to get fucked because that was another piece of news, right? They might that, be about yeah, to lose Spinks. We can go into that. We can go into that. I mean, you can do it, that too. It if feels you want. like they may actually start to get gutted now, which is kind of like their fate. I don't know. What do you think? Like, it feels like you that's notice, the fate of those teams. Yeah, here's the thing. But this is one of the areas. Oh, oh, sorry, hold on, hold on, real quick. Yeah, that's how this is supposed to work, though. Copenhagen oh, is. make a profit because yes. they sold players. They were one of the only teams because yes. in CSGO to actually be making a profit is because they sold players, they sold teams, and that's how you make money in CSGO, really. Oh, if you're in fucking massive, the buyouts. sad thing is in business sense, you want to do this move because Vitality is one of the few teams can pay over the odds. You can get a nice chunk of change with that money. Look, there's no Spinks to go and buy. You can't get a replacement because he was like absurdly good, but you can get the next player. You can yeah, go you and get another a good player you use that money you paid here to pay a salary pay a little buyout like maybe you have to pay a 50 20k buyout to a smaller org you get another player in and you hope you're good the downside obviously is it was Spinks. like that is a one out of nowhere not player that came along and you're not going to have a replacement from so you're not going to be as good but the issue is as, as you alluded to 
If you notice, I the whole time ends got really good have been stressing this narrative. The question is just how long do they get to run with this lineup? Because mm. as you say, it was inevitable. If you know the way the business works, you, you are not going to get a player this good on a team that's supposed to be a small squad without much money and keep him for a long time. Like it wouldn't even be fair to Spinks if you really think about it. I know as a fan, it might seem counterintuitive because this is where he got his break, right? When he was on contact, he was nobody. Then he came to ends with Snappy and he's had his break. Yeah, but think about it, right? Who's helped who more at the moment, right? At the beginning, it was ends because they gave him a platform, they gave him a team, they gave him snappy, they gave him a salary. At this point, it's inarguably Spinks, though, because look what he's helped them do. He made them a top four team in the world, top four at the major. He himself was one of the best players in the world. He's brought them to a whole bunch of finals. Like, at this point in time, yes, you would like to keep him if you're ends, but beggars can't be choosers. As you say, the right thing to do now for everyone is Spinks to move on, because here's what can happen now. Ents makes a big chunk of money that they were never making before, and they didn't spend much on him. They've only spent his little salary. And then meanwhile, if you're Spinks, you get to go and play potentially for one of the best teams in the world. If you're Spinks, you're like, mate, it was fun being a really good player on an underdog team. I want to play with Zemo and fucking Zonic and win the major and be a champion. So it's actually, and Vitality goes out saying that's potentially a great pickup if they can make the roles work. I think it works for everyone, basically. It had to happen, though. It had to happen. It's it's You have tradesmen teams. You know, where it's just like they are going to be there and they're going to be building talent. They're going to have the system. So it's like if you're talking about how these big teams don't really have any idea of like what it is that they're actually doing and they're either lucking into a core roster that's already built yep. and then riding that high the way Astralis did, or you're going to have these teams that actually know how to pick talent and actually know how to find the next generation of player and actually yes. know how to build them up. Ence is one of those teams, it seems like, because they just consistently, they keep coming up with the, these players. They keep finding these players to bring them up. And then you get the, the big well, This ties into a topic you'll be interested and, in talking about because I know it's what you wanted to actually address. It's basically, if people don't know, I'm also shrewd with when I bring guests on my shows. I don't just bring them on willy-nilly. The reason I brought Kassad on that show is because I knew behind the scenes that he was, if people don't know, like I think he even implied it on the show, he was supposed to be the EG coach at some point or he was in the mix for it yeah, on, and just didn't, it didn't on, happen right? for some weird reason again, probably because they've got dog shit decision-making over there, haven't they? Remember, they're the fuckers who saw that Stu to Kale and went, yeah, how many millions? And then later they go, I can't believe this didn't work. Like, shut the fuck up. But anyway, right, so obviously he should have been in EG. So I knew essentially that a bunch of these topics are pissing him off. I know, for example, he doesn't like that G2 story because it implies the players are maybe having some say again. So anyway, if you bring it back a second, right, one of the points I think that is key about this topic right here is the notion that, like, it's not just about who the team signs, how much they spend. It's about that they have to have, like, an actual structure. And part of the structure is you've got to have a general manager. Because one of the points Kassad made was, you actually want to be thinking on multiple years like you would in business. Because in the same way as if you make a business, if you don't know, you don't just go, well, I start today and I sell a good product and I make money eventually. No, you have, like, a plan, like, right, we're going to do this much in the first three months, then we're going to expand in the next six, and then if things go well, we'll maybe expand beyond that for the next 12. Or if don't go well we'll reduce things and we'll sort of run for six more and we'll see how we'll you have a whole plan and then you adjust it as you go every few months obviously well his point in terms of the team basically is that no matter what type of team you have you're going to have like a plan that's like like the device example is the best one in that scenario as the gm what you would have done is this device came to you late last year and he goes i'm not available so you go right i'm going to plan for three to six months where you don't play and we'll see do you come back in that time period then when i find out you're not coming back say three or four months in i'll sign a player like brawler and i'll start making now i have to ask myself I'll give myself three extra months. You either come back 
back at the end and I can integrate you in the lineup, or you're gone for good, but I'm only one more move away then. And now I sell you to Australia, so I bring in the last piece. I've at least kept my part going, even though I didn't know. Well, basically, like these teams are the ones that it, it, it is implied. Like they need a better GM. Because think in this scenario, that what, what was the team we're talking about now? EG right now. EG, right? That's the best example, right? Why did they ever even sign this team at the beginning? Whoever made that decision at the very beginning and said, this team makes sense, that's already fucked. Because here's the thing, right, Semler? If you notice the track record, who are the guys who are finding the next talents? It isn't me. It isn't some company guy. It's Blade for Navi. It's Saw for Ents. Like, it's the guys with the eye test. Those coaches are the guys who've watched a billion hours of CS and they can grade players. Like you saw in that episode there, Kassad had some great suggestions. Like for him, like JKS would be a good sign into Vital. Like he had a bunch of interesting ones where his eye tells you this person would be a good sign and this one wouldn't. Sure, sure. What you do essentially is you hire a guy like that to be your GM and then he can tell you who the next player is. Because to actually know from players, players can't be trusted. They are too emotional. They'll do stuff like, for someone will flame them in a scream and they'll just say that guy's a bad player even if he's an amazing player in the world. Like, players can't be trusted and they all want their friends in the team and all that jazz. Like, That's it, it. Has to, it has to be like, it has to be like sports where someone, an adult makes this decision. It can't be the players. Well, the, the point that, the, the thing that I was thinking of when I was listening to Kassad talk about that though, is that, those guys, like he, the way that he was making it sound is that, you know, you can find all these offensive coaches. You can find all these defensive coaches. You can find all these analysts who are going to be able to do all this. Right. And I'm just sitting here like those, like guys like Assad are worth their weight in gold. Like I can't think they are, but the bizarre head. thing is though, I know what you mean. So like, here's the problem. You know what I mean? Basically the issue is the rest of them don't exist. You're going to have to build them up and they're going to have to, yeah, that's the long term. But here's so, the issue. I, I know what you mean. And in the wider sense, I agree, but the problem is they haven't even hired the guys we're talking about, like the Cassards and the Zeus's of the world. They aren't even hired now. Like that's the reason like they at least should get, that's what, this is why, by the way, if people don't know, this is one of the reasons I, I said it in my video. It's one of the reasons I left flashpoint was it wasn't just that we didn't have the top teams. It's that I knew, and I wasn't our fucking correct i knew we would never have the top teams and we would never sign the top players and this is one of the reasons similar is because i investigated the structure of all of these massive orgs with millions of dollars in money to spend and they had the money to spend yeah. it's just that they never had the people in the structure who understood like to sign the player and i would go to them and i would tell them right first thing you need before you get the players is the gm and i gave them these shortlists the shortlists were like zeus Kassad. there was a whole bunch of players raging people like that were all on these lists all they did when they did it, Sam, is either never hire anyone or they would go to the bottom of the list and go, yeah, we'll hire agents. Like, well, he was like, ah, listen, he was on the list, but like, obviously I had Zeus number one. Like, these are the guys that, if you don't know, by the way, that I can take it one step further. As an org, this shows you don't know CSGO Esports. Because if you knew CSGO Esports, you would know why Kassad and Zeus are legendary. Kassad ran a fucking squad of Australians and got them the semis at a major. Fucking Zeus took, like, the bad EG online and had them be good. He had Team Liquid and took them to the top of the world. Like, these guys, as you say, they are worth their weight in gold, mate. You sign these guys, that's like the first decision that just has 50 knock-on good effects on your org. And they won't do it. Instead, you go to these orgs, Semler, and their general manager who's making CSGO divisions is their old Overwatch coach from three years ago. Or it's a guy who, like, used to be a player in a racing game who now just has an office job. As a, Like, these can't be the guys because these guys don't have any eye tests. They're not watching the game. They can't look at the game and go, this Sphinx guy could be amazing in six months. They don't have any, they don't have that now. But that is essentially what their job requirement is, in my opinion. Because the problem is this. 
three or four years ago, these roles of general manager, it was a general job within an esports team. You, you just essentially handle business. Now it's a specialized job like a sport. If you're yeah. in an NFL team, similar, there's not a guy there who's like, well, I only know business. I don't know the American football. That scout knows everything about American football. It's his whole job. His whole life's American football. So you do actually need, in my opinion, these, you need the people who put like 10 years into the game. They're the ones who will set your, your all gripe. The way that I think about it is, is it's a green, ban- a green bananas and yellow bananas sort of situation. Uh, green bananas take time to ripen. It takes work. You got to water them. You got you to wait, right, for that investment to pay off. You're going to buy a bunch of green bananas. It's going to take some time. Or you're going to buy a bunch of yellow bananas. And like, and yellow bananas, hey, you get to eat right away. You sell them right away. You eat right away. You get your money back right away, right? So that's the idea, guys. You know, long-term, short-term. To me, the way that all this shapes up is that all of these orgs now realize just how desperately hard it would be to go with the green banana route, the long-term route, uh, I, because either they have to invest heavily into guys who are worth their weight in gold, like Kassad, Zeus, others, uh, or they need to be, then this, like Cloud9 encapsulates this perfectly for me. They really are just like the, I don't want to say the problem, but like they, they, this is them. Sit in the wings and be opportunistic and get the roster. So Gambit, picking up Gambit, that's Cloud9 in a nutshell. This is that whole American system, that VC system in a nutshell. It's like, oh, hold on. Somebody else has built something that's working over there. Wait, we can buy the whole thing? Great. Do that. Throw money at it. There you go. That's 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 how these how these guys approach it because they have no idea how to build the long term. They, they have no idea. For them, it's all just about like picking up a core, picking up a roster, picking up something that's already functioning and trying to get as much of the support structure as well around it because that was one thing that uh, Etienne talked about where how he was so excited to work with Groove. You know, He's like, I never thought I'd have the chance to work with this guy, but when I learned that he was a part of the package, I just had to have it. You know, It's like if you can get the support around it, you can build the roster like that, you can do all of that, then that's how those guys want to play it now because doing the long-term, the one, the, the team that came to mind and that I got really excited about way back in the day, and it was for this reason, was Cuban's Mad Lions. Do you remember how, like, they were talking about that when it first came out where he was like, we're going to build, we're going to have structure, professionalism, like it's all sure. that sort of shit, right? You know what I mean? Like, obviously- how No, I know that was the premise. It just out. didn't work out that way. Yeah, course, It didn't work sure. out that way. But like the, the vision, I was just like, fuck yeah, sign me up. The Let reason I'm go. laughing is because there was a segment because of Mad Lions, this exact team, that even got into a best of by the numbers. Because the reason we were laughing so hard <laughs> is they signed some guy who was like a really inexperienced IGL, right? And when they signed him, similar, they said all the right things like, you know, we're going to give him a chance to develop and, you know, uh-huh. it's going to grow. And then they c- literally kicked him one week later. And they actually were so shameless, similar that within the actual wording of how they messaged that he was being kicked, they were like, you know, he didn't actually develop within that. It's like, there's a week. It was a week. Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like, I won't replay. Re- re- you can go but check out the episode. That, that is, it was classic. That also could be the whole issue with this whole fucking thing, dude. Because like Cuban's vision and how he wanted to pull all that off, wanted to invest in the players and build them up and make them professionals, right? Where they'd have like a steady schedule. You go to sleep at this hour. You wake up at this hour. You're going to exercise. You're going to eat well. We're going to be as a team. We're going to build it up. Here's your offense coach. Here's your defense coach. Like It felt like Cuban had all of that lined up. But the investors behind it, those guys are looking for yellow bananas. They're not looking for green bananas, you know? So it's like, it's, and especially as an org like Mad Lions, where I was just like, wow, Mad Lions, this is uncharacteristic of them. I never, I never got the vibe off of them being like a team that wants to build into the future. It always felt like they were short-term, you know, yellow bananas kind of guys. And basically like what, the issue. what we're going to do is this, because as Semler correctly pointed out, there aren't that many people right now who have the true like experience base, like knowledge base, like now to do this job of BGMs. We're going to have to grow the next generation. So Semler will be releasing his new children's book, Yellow Banana, Green Banana, Zipnix. And it's about, 
about navigating the difficult CSGO transfer market. It's about what strategy you use. And basically, do you want yellow bananas? Do you want green bananas? Or do you want to waste all your money on Zipix? You can do one of the three. Do it, it's got all pictures go. in it, pop-ups, like everything. Listen, props to Zip and his agent. Whoever the fuck is doing that, pulling the wool over Astralis's eyes, dude. I mean, that is just the most amazing deal. If it's true, like what, four years? Of oh, it's mental, isn't it? thousands? Just like, I know. <laughs> how they pulled that off is just that is the greatest salesman to walk the world. Exactly. <laughs> Although the only problem is I heard basically they just copied device. Zipnix was like, I'd like to get paid millions, but not even have to turn up. <laughs> Devi was like, see, we all stick together, always on the same page. That's the thing with our team, always on the same page. <laughs> a little aside, you know, it sucks because like Zip actually had like a little bit of a revival. Oh, he was actually, yeah. Tournament. Like he oh, was actually looking halfway decent. That thing, if people don't realize is, because obviously they got beaten by Narvi, that actually sort of like leveled his stats off. Before that, that he was actually yeah. having, yeah, he was having a little bit he was of a, looking good. He was feeling then, himself yeah, against again. Against Navi, just totally disappeared. But then again, to be fair, the whole team disappeared. It's not like it, yeah, it yeah, just on him. It was like everybody fucking tanked on that. Uh, sure. In that matchup. I, I don't know. I like, I really appreciated uh, Kasad. Like, I like Kasad's um, way of looking at things. I just feel like we're going to need to find a way. Like, it has to be the ends. It has to be like the guys who are looking for the long game, like build year on year. We're going to build it up properly. We're going to keep it reasonable. And, you know, it's like their, their whole CSGO system works because they're not overpaying their players. And it's all, it all makes sense. So you need to find orgs like that who are willing to really build over the long term. And that's, how, that's I think, how it's going to work. Because otherwise... You know, it's going to be like, oh, why aren't we seeing returns on our, you know, investment that you know you wrote a five-year plan for, but we want something back in six months. And no coach is going to, you know, if you're if you're planning for five years, no coach is going to be able to be like, well, you know, like we're going to take over the world in six months. That's not going to happen. So those investors are going to be on board for like the first, uh, you know, first three to four months, and then they're going to start being like, where, where, money, please, where's my money? Where's my return on my investment? And it's just not going to happen. And the, co- the team is going to get yeeted. The coach is going to get fired and then it's all going to fall apart from there. By the way, one thing I think is really negative about that approach as well. This is one of the things about CSGO that really pisses me off, dude, because I actually told loads of people this. This is way before even Flashpoint. Like, I think in something like 2016, I made a video where I explained this concept, right? Which is the concept from sports that needs to exist in CSGO is, you know, in sports, like, you know when someone's contract ends. Like, you know that yeah, at the end of this it. season, he's available. So as a result, you don't just wait until the last day of the season. Like, you sometimes, if you're a lesser team, you know before the season begins. Like, at the end of this season, we're going to prepare a package to get LeBron James, Ronaldo, whoever, like, the amazing player is. You build a whole thing, and you build it years out. Like, you're planning, yeah. like, we want to have, like a, like, a core of players that he might want to play with, but space for him. We need to have some salary space to sign him at the max amount. And basically, you create, like, an, a, a sort of an attractive destination for that player. But this is the key thing to understand, Semler. If he doesn't sign, you're not shout a lock. You've got the next people on the shortlist. So my problem is this. I said this years ago, because I used to have old friends that were in teams like Cloud9, Team Liquid, and they'd always be saying the same thing, like, Oh, we need like another Orpa though. So who do we get? And you'd look around the scene, it's like, well, obviously everyone's contracted. So they'd always have to be gambling. Like, well, this guy like in MDL, like looks good. And so I just said to them like, bro, if you could pick tomorrow, if I said money's no object, like we're we're talking about like 2016, remember here. I said, if you could pick anyone, you you probably pick like Skadoodle if it's an NA team, right? I said, why not just literally plan to get Skadoodle? I said, go to Skadoodle, say to him, when does your contract end? If it's in six months or a year or whatever, plan so that within the rest of what you're doing, you still operate your team, but that's a window when you will look to potentially she gets skadoodle. They don't do it though, similar. And the reason it kills me is because this is, a, it actually makes the scene weaker because what people do instead is this. 
because they let players decide when they need to make the roster move. You make you make a team that's all right. You play a few tournaments, and what happens is you have a really bad loss, like at the major or Cologne, one of the big events of the year. Let's say you finish ninth, but you're supposed to be like a top five team. So then you go panic stations. We need to change a player now, and because you have to change him now, you have to get Farley or you have to get some random pickup that like probably isn't going to work. If instead you said we have to make a change, but you have an actual timeline. You can now plan to get a really good player. You go, right, let's see who's available. Like, so I've got Device, I've got this guy. You map them all out. Who would be interested now? Who might be interested in six months? What would it take for them to be interested in a year? That's sports. like Because in that scenario, you can see how if you do the right decisions there, even in the short term, if you're not getting results, in the long term, you are going to make enough right decisions. You are going to turn your team around. You're going to make a top team. There's too much sort of luck. Like luck now is even like, when's your contract then? Are you willing to leave now? Like there's too much sort of rolling the dice for me. It's not proper sports. You're not planning. What are the steps? I mean, is it reaching out to like the sports side of things and being like, okay, we need an, an XGM or somebody to start explaining that. Well, this is why that job. Chops in CS, yeah, the, right? the problem is that job just doesn't really properly exist. I'm sort of saying it's yes, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it, it, I mean, this feels like that as we're discussing it, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, this sounds like a very familiar conversation that we've been having for a long time in terms of like who actually holds the reins of the team. This is why they wanted the Henry G's of the world. Yeah. Coming into teams. So they could potentially trust someone. And the idea is because essentially the way it would run previously is usually you have a player that's like that. Like, so if it was like G2, I'm sure it's Nico or whatever. It's like Carlos's boy. But the premise is like that in itself has a a shelf's life, because what if it's the player that you need to remove eventually, you know what I mean? Like eventually he has to potentially be on the chopping block too. That's why the French scene is just so vile and, and, that respect is they all yes. have, there's a lot of baggage in yes. the French scene because those were the guys that were always shanking each other in yep. the back. Like they, it was always just like this group against this group and like, oh, we don't like this guy now. Like, like we were best friends with him yesterday, yes. but he's, you know, it's just, it's so, so poisonous. We've seen how that works in the past with those teams where they just completely implode. And then, well, I mean, actually you look down the line and there isn't much, much of a French scene uh, going on. Maybe we'll have a super team now coming up, uh, coming up, uh, you know, built around uh, Kenny and shocks and <laughs> NBK and Amanek and, who else could, you know, maybe the obvious Suda. thing is just bring existence back, make the team, uh... make the team. <laughs> well, he's not even called existence now, though. He says his name like Aku or some shite on Twitter. I don't know what the fuck you do, mate. Why? Why did he do that? Why? You have a brand. You're known in CSGO. You're a legend. That's tragic. Well, do we want to, uh, we, I think we have time for like one more topic. Yeah, we want well, to actually try. And we'll and... do a few questions after that. Oh, right. Yeah. But like, do we just want to, to try yeah, to address quick. this yeah, yeah. issue? Let's do it. Uh, Go on. Because I mean, all right, here's 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 my I guess my beef with this whole situation is uh, again, once again, you have a story coming out and it says, you know, Xdaz and uh, Xdaz and uh, Alexi B uh, are going to be on the transfer list and they're going to be looking for options. That tweet comes out. That story comes out. No, no byline. So I was already like, mm, I don't know how legit this is. But then Carlos comes along and tweets. No, you know, basically in response to it. <laughs> He's absolutely <laughs> done like, with that tweet. I know. Uh, dude, it pissed no me off so much. No info at all. It pissed me off so much because I'm just like, okay, so there is no trade coming, I guess. Because or, Carlos, or is that? Doesn't, Carlos yeah. doesn't fuck around. Like He, he doesn't he, lie. He I'll say that. Usually, yeah, you do believe he's telling the truth. Yeah, I believe he's telling the truth. He has a good track record of no bullshit. You know, like he he, he, he says it how it is. And so I'm like, fine, fair enough. Okay, then the, fuck this story. And, you know, the t- roster is going to stick together. And then, no, like a few days later, no, it turns out Alexi B is, uh, is on. No more mention of Xtas. So I'm actually just a little bit miffed with it because I'm just like, fucking Carlos. Like, did he? So he says no, maybe because he has what, like, plausible deniability? Like, he well, sort of banted, yeah. I didn't. So, yeah, you know, a I bit didn't outright lie. Well, basically, 
Alexis the joke is going to be here's the joke for you, Sam. No, here's the joke for you. Are you ready? Obviously, okay. Carlos now, because he understands how important it is to appeal to American cultural standards, he's obviously undertaken, he's used fact checking, hasn't he? He got a fact checker, and you know what they fact said, Samla? They said Sam, Alexi B and X Stars are both like on the market. Fact check, mostly false. They are both not on the market. Only Alexi B is. Because the joke is just That's like every one of those fact checks, the actual essential fact is always true, but they just phrase it to make it sound like it's not true in it. Because like, that's yeah. just, basically, as far as I can tell, I agree with you. My that's assumption is, even though by saying no, you're going to immediately make people think the whole thing's fake. It's re- in reality, it's just that like maybe like a portion maybe at it. the moment it's only Alexi B and maybe you hadn't decided on next time. So you, you have sort of tried to have your cake and eat it on that one for sure. I, did, I was so, I was fuming. I, I was like, that is actually a little bit of a fucked up move carlos i I was not uh, i was a little bit i was like "Ah, i don't appreciate this but uh yeah sure enough looks like alexi b is on his way or at least you know potentially he can see he can look for options and then also usually that means that uh, he's on his way out but uh also jacks recently announced uh that he's also going to be on the uh, transfer list and uh can look for options his was the more depressing one because i know that's just the way they phrase it now simple they just say this player can look for options is the difference alexi b can look for options jack's option is just fuck off like that's it like the joke is he has to be on that french team with kenny and that there's nowhere else for you jacks like i'm sorry mate this was the team they're all living up in that haven anyways they're all up in andorra (laughs) between france and spain just chilling out you know so ah, whatever like they've got the team already in location they can just land together at this point just make a team go for it go for it lads but I mean, that's like, it's so brutal because uh, who, dang it, who actually had that off the top of my head? I think it was Yanko uh, in an interview where he kind of outlined, you know, he kind of like put the timeline together where, you know, there was that peak and then the drop off. And then it's just it just kind of like timing didn't really line up with events with how everything worked out. They had a month off when they were just starting to heat up. And then yep. there you go. It's all it all kind of just falls apart from there. Uh, you're left stewing on a poor result when you're thinking that we should have had more. And sure enough, you probably should have had more. And if you had more time, maybe. But it, I, this is also just going to be one of those situations where we just have to speculate. You know, who who has a track record of uh, of <laughs> getting rid of teammates that are, or, you know, having difficulty with IGLs? I mean, it's, it's like I've always said somewhere, because I think this is the fairest way to phrase it. Okay, Technically, I mean, spoiler, in face, I do know who was involved. I had contacts with nearly all the players. Ooh, imagine that if I had all the info, but let's pretend I don't like remember just like more all more on fans. I don't know anything, I don't have any behind the scenes contacts. I mean, I bring people on shows that give all the great straight fire all the time, but they can never do that, you know, off camera. But anyway, that to one side. The ridiculous thing is this: even if I speculate, it's like you say, you nailed it there. All that needs to be said if you're Nico is this, mate. If you really aren't ever affecting any of these transfers, but bizarrely, everything you want and all the people you want kicked end up being kicked, and what you want ends up happening, you are either the luckiest sort of a bitch of all time or the most unlucky because it just doesn't play, does it? Like, here's the problem. It doesn't even have to be that he is the one who's the impetus or wants him out or whatever. As you say, these things just have a way of happening in Nico teams. It's just the the way it goes, isn't it? That's the the takeaway from it, right? It's hard to, if it, it, What's the, you know, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it sounds like, I mean, then Nico wants it the fuck out because he only likes swans or something. <laughs> Nico know, wants that would be like it. Basically, we could make like a whole, you know, philosophy book, like quotes, but they're just about Nico instead. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, this is a tragic situation though. Cause I mean, I'm, well, I, the, the reality is it's just like, holy shit, where do you, where do you go now? Cause Alexi B was supposed to be like hailed as this great yeah, yeah. who was going to gel with Nico yep. posting pictures on Instagram of them, you know, partying and have a great time when they all join up, like oh, everything's great guys. And, 
and it lasts it lasts like three to four months because basically at that point you know that like alexi b he probably knows that he's on his way out at that yeah, point. yeah. Like things are rocky it's not going well um so what the last month is just like trying to but it, everybody deep down knows that this isn't going to work out i guess but wh- where where do you go from here like where who are you bringing on oh, okay hold on what does that face mean I could speculate if you'd like. Uh, I, yeah, I could okay. take a crazy flyer and then if it just happened to come true, then again, I don't have any context. So I just got lucky. So okay. here's one for you. Are you Let's ready for a fun one? Because this is one I actually suggested a few months ago. Because to me, if I knew that you don't want Alexi B, this is an obvious move. Who got benched from Fnatic a few months ago? No. Alex. And remember, this is a key detail people forget. You have to know the law to know this. Alex was supposed to join FaZe Clan instead of Cloud9 back in the day. But what happened was FaZe Clan just took two. That was the player Nico wanted after the Vitality time. But apparently Nico and Yanko said that like the deal just didn't get done in time. Like FaZe was just like not dragging their feet. Like if you notice, they do take a long time to get deals done, even when it's sort of not like everyone knew Carrigan was going to join and Rob's so like, sure, it's true. Sure. So basically I, I, he's available. I, that, that would even, he speaks English and he's, he needs the team. And so mm-hmm. I think that, to me, wouldn't that all fit? Wouldn't it be worth a shot? And it's not even a bad sort of pivot. Like, I actually like both of them in different ways. Either. And I'll yeah. even say as well, to me, I actually think Alex's style of play will vibe more with Nico. Because here's the thing, Alexi B was sort of more like the brain IGL. And Alex is a bit more of like, uh, a little bit more default style, maybe, you know? Like, I think he certainly well, he has knows, his ideas, he but he's going to let Nico that. play how he wants to play. He's had Zebu, remember? Oh, that's the thing. That's the point, right? If you're going to think about Alex, you think that, okay, he's an IGL who should know how to put star players and star positions and let yep. them get to work, right? Stand out of the way. In uh, fact, there's yeah. even an angle for why you sign him to this team. Monacy, you've got this young prodigy opera. It's like Zebu, right? Let's find out how to use him best. Let's set him up the best. Let's do the, let's flash everyone so he gets all those kills easily or whatever that dreaded line he said about Zebu was in 2019. <laughs> I mean, the idea the idea is really interesting as well because you know that Alex has had this chip on his shoulder ever since. Because, oh, for sure. You know, everybody's just like, oh, oh and Ekstaz was Alex's coach, dude. Yeah. Oh, the more I talk over. about the more it's it can all come together. Spoiler, I might have known something about that. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. I might have had a tiny wee little. No one else does though, Sam. You'll not. I mean, this show's probably going to come out tomorrow the day after. No other fucking show will have that info. They're just still busy asking twist shit questions like, so what was Team Liquid like? And then he's like, you know what? Guy on this HLTV, this is the greatest podcast I've ever been a part of. Like, all right, mate. <laughs> you know what? That just makes me think, wow, Twist does have really amazing headshot ability. Because obviously not his fucking brain, is it? I, I think he's all right, actually. That's just a flame. It's a bit of a straight. Bring it back, though. What do you think? Because that's the problem I have with this move. It's like, I don't, if it was to be like an Alex, because I can't think who else it would be, by the way. I don't know who the fuck else is even available. Like, that's not a terrible one. And the thing is, I will say, like, I sort of agree with Yanko. I actually think, like, the timing of this team, basically, this team was looks almost cursed, mate. Like, they zigged every time they should have zagged. Yeah. So, for example, they made the final of one of the first events, kind of each year. That was when their coach couldn't play because he had COVID. And, like, then, right after, as you're saying, right, when you want to make use of that, like, we're on form, then they have that pro league debacle where they can't even use Alexi B and they don't get out the grip. Like, the whole thing was a fucking nightmare, wasn't it? Like, a, they have just sort, and then the major was terrible. They didn't make any impact. Like, Cologne here being shit yeah basically all their good moments came when it was the least important and they couldn't capitalize and then they've had all the down moments in the big moments so i have to agree like if a team like that happens i even think by the way i agree with the premise of two two changes i don't think that's a one change move now i might not have agreed with the lexi b angle and this is i think alexi b is good but i have to say it's not like it's worked in the server 
And it's why if you notice my tweeting style about this topic is very different from everyone else, because my perspective is this similar. If this really is the case that fundamentally someone like Nico and the others can't play at their best when Alexi B is the leader, that's fine. That can be possible. Obviously, he's not like the ultimate IGL of all time. You have to have the right personnel. But here's the issue, though. If the next set of players to come in this team, similar somehow in any way doesn't work with Nico, I have to start for real having the question, is it Nico? You know what I mean? Like, eventually, that has to be the question you ask yourself because you look at all these other superstar players in the world and they've been able to work with many different teammates and different team styles. And stuff. Like, this guy just seems like he has a very particular... Like, it, whatever me, whatever he defines as comfort seems almost like a little... It's some princess in the pea shit, mate. It's a bit too far for me, I think. There, I'm, there a, bit, I'm a bit concerned that he, like, too, he's too high maintenance in a way, you know. That's a perfect way to put it. That's what I started to wonder about. Oh, uh, yeah, the princess in the pea. For any of you guys wondering, it's the mattresses, the stacking of mattresses, and then there's a little pee at the bottom, the under the last mattress, and the princess can feel it, you know, so she can't sleep because it's just that little thing, you know, through like ten mattresses. Uh, that's uh, that's a really good way to put it because it really does make you wonder, right? Because Nico, with his track record, you feel like he hits fucking hard for he sure. Now, especially now, by this time, should be a veteran player, long yep. in the tooth, able to work with anybody. You would think, right? Able to work with anybody and still perform. Like it's not like it's his first rodeo. He's been around for a long time. So you would think, I think, I think you're bang on the money. And I think uh, it's interesting. This Alex angle, actually, if you stack it up, it sounds actually pretty interesting. Uh, that is not an angle because that like fanatic was clearly a debacle. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Cloud nine. It's just been a, it's been a poor string for, no, Alex he's had, he's had well. some really bad luck in my opinion rough, with his squads. Yeah. Turns. So and also I'll throw this in there. It's not like I took it out from nowhere. I actually said when he was benched, I did a tweet where I basically said if I were them, if I were the two teams, I would trade, by the way. If I was the fucking guys from uh, Fnatic, I'd want Alexi V, why not? Like, why not just trade either way and do a contract deal and both give it a go? Because one last thing I would say is this, right? In theory, if you know, like, the sort of game theory of how you run sports teams, players like Nico are actually supposed to be effectively untradeable somewhere. They're supposed to be so insanely valuable that you can, like, for example, if someone gives you a million dollars, like supposedly G2 did for Nico, you never really get the value for that. Like, it's not like you can spend that million and get the same in the server. Like, they're, they're too valuable. And on top of that, because they're so absurdly good, like, think about Nico's longevity is... There's like two or three players ever in the game have longevity like that. And they are simple and device, quite frankly. There's not many Basically. people. So if you have that longevity, that's the other reason you're not supposed to trade those players because they can come back to being the best in the world every year. They can constantly deliver output. But here's all I'll say. And if you this food for thought might actually blow some people's brains if you think about it. You would have said the same thing in Face Clan, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have said in Face Clan, if I had to pick between the two, who would I keep, Carrigan or Nico? Everyone would have told you Nico because he's a superstar, right? Spoiler, Nico left FaZe Clan. The FaZe Clan is the number one team in the world now. And by the way, none of the players on FaZe Clan are as good as Nico. It's not like Bro Rops is as good as Nico or Broke or whatever. So this just shows you can win without Nico. So the key thing for me is this. Either we get the pieces now. So like, shit, I'll get off the pot. You spend the money now, you get the final pieces Nico wants, and then we just have to do it. Like, now you really have to win Nico. We have to win the major. The you have to, have to go win. to number one. But if you don't, I have to actually consider, like, are you the reason I can't bring these bloody players in? Because I've got a lot of players here that we're having to kick out by it. I can't be kicking people every six months. That has to be no. a real squad eventually. And especially, I mean, even if G2 are one of those teams with fuck off money who just seem to be able to spend whatever they want and actually have a leader who is willing to pull the trigger and spend that kind of money, that still doesn't oh, they do. that it's, that, yeah, yeah. You know, it's reasonable for them to be just like, no, oh, every no, six months we're, we're going to spend another mil or something to try and get somebody else off of another roster. It's That's crazy. 
I mean, the one I find weird, dude, is I don't know if you see this, but I actually see a lot of people flame Monacy. Do you notice that? I don't get it myself because here's the thing. I always just remember the facts. He's a fucking 16-year-old kid who just joined the land circuit this year. Remember, dude, Semler was watching this guy in an academy league last year. So, like, when I actually look at his level, I don't think there's anything wrong with his level at all. It looks good. This is where it's it's crazy as well because on that academy team and that academy league, that whole team, it was like uh, Kenny S and Titan 2014 or something. Like the entire team is built around him on Navi Academy and he's not playing against tier one opposition. So just think about like everything being, it's like the best marketing strategy ever. They're doing everything they can to make this guy look as good as possible to sell him to one of the top teams in the scene who have millions of dollars. It could not have gone better for Navi. They played it perfectly. The whole reason Navi Academy exists was for that. And so now, you know, he's actually on that. He's actually on that tier one team. And he had a, he had a strong start. I think that maybe why, maybe why is a, there's so much hype around him because he has all those crazy. He has that really intense kind of flick, crazy, aggressive style, really flashy. gets a lot of highlight reels, but also he had a strong, he had a strong start at Katowice, right? So I think in people's minds, you know, that kind of stuck. And so they were like, Oh, you know, well, if he's not always up there, well then, you know, obviously he's struggling. Obviously he's dropping off. It's like, dude, he, he, he didn't even have that bad, uh, that bad. He was fine, game. mate. Like, it's put it this way, in general, I haven't really seen him ever play, like, bad consistently. At worst, no. he was average. And most of the time, I think he's slightly above average. The real problem, I think, is this similar. Sadly, fucking Zewu and Bit have ruined it for everyone. Because now they've made everyone act like every rookie supposed to just go to number one be like the best player in the world. Like that's in- incomprehensible that those guys did it. Munasi is tracking perfectly well. If you know his age, he is literally right now on oh, He's 17. I was just turned 17. Yeah, he's he's only 17 years old guys. Like I wouldn't even worry about if I was, this is also though, I will say, this is why I actually was one of the few people who didn't say it was a slam dunk that you signed Munasi at the beginning. Cause I knew it cost a lot of money for this reason. Mm-hmm. I said, the good news is this. If Nico and Hunter play like they're supposed to, you're fine. Cause he only has to be the third best player, but the, problem is if Nico exactly. not, like Nico has had some bad tournaments if Nico doesn't play as well now you're going to put pressure on a guy who isn't supposed to have pressure it's his first year of his career guys like he's not supposed to frag out in all these lands like I think he's doing fine and I think if I'm if I'm sort of tracking where he's going in MG2 he's totally on course the point is next year is when he could be a fucking like pff, that's when he could just break out and start dominating you know yeah. give him a year's worth of lands and ages and all that jazz he's going to be there eventually like the eye test checks out like a motherfucker on this guy in my opinion it's just you need to allow uh, you can't compare p- new players, young players that are coming in now to young players that were coming in five, six, seven years ago. Right. When like simple was starting out, there weren't massive, gigantic fucking events like this. Right. Like he was still going to some shitty lands. Oh, of course. Yeah. Even things. majors were Dreamax back then. Exactly. Man. That's all you need exactly. to know. Yeah. Like, even majors, you know, back then it was like, oh, we have 500 yeah. people in the crowd. Holy shit. This is awesome. You know, like that's, that's the level. Like, that's the thing you have to remember. So like those guys, those the stars of today had a lot of time to ramp up and build they did yes Whereas, you know, Monacy, yeah, 16, now 17 gets chucked right into some of the- Dude, I think it's first, Vlad event was like Katowice, <laughs> fucking Katowice, yeah. like one of the main like, events in the whole world, I know. at the deep end and swim, bro. You know, that's like, like your fucking, that's like your NFL debut, just be in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Just in the go. Super Bowl, like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, and I better, and I better handle it. And he did, that's the thing. So, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, I don't think you can, uh, you can, you can give any kind of flack to this guy. This is definitely going to be- um, this is, is going to be a green banner. The good news situation. with these moves, as much as like it's obviously it's so messy that they've got to do all these signings now, and there's the drama of Nico and Alexi B and is it starts saying or is he? Go- the good news is this: 
As long as they do have those three pieces, Nico, Hunter, and Monacy, that's a great three pieces to fucking build with. Like, you could very quickly build back to another team. Like, it was actually implied by Kassad, by the way, on that episode, based on what he said, that, like, if you look at some of the players that are in the scene, like, he said, for example, like, maybe JKS goes to, I think he said Vitality instead of Masuta. Like, there's players out there that can be signed in the scene. So if G2 makes the right signings, they they could be a top team, of course. The, the the scene is wide open right now. Anyone who makes the right roster move can go right to top three at this point in time. It's open. All those spots are there. Especially now that Ents is losing Spinks as well, for fuck's sake. Like, these moves are a bit like maybe... Oh, and maybe JKS was actually G2. Maybe that was the move. I think he might yeah, even be G2. Yeah. That could be a G2 play. because I, mean, I think he meant instead of Jax. Somehow. Yes, I think he said it. I think he said that JKS was going to be the bombsite anchor or something instead of Jax. I think that, that was what he said the angle was. Interesting. Would be a good move. Because I, I, well, I don't think, I don't know if he still has his visa or not. I think he does because I believe, I, I know that when he was playing with, that's the reason he got to play with Fears because he still had a, like yeah, a, still had a visa, visa in Denmark in or some Europe. shit. Yeah. He was living in Copenhagen or something. Yes. Like that. So I believe he's available still. Yeah. Mm, that would be, that I think it's a good move though. Talk I'll try about, that. You know, talk about catching the train as it leaves the station though. That would be I mean, perfect for everyone. And you're going back to Australia and you have no visa to come and stay in Europe. Oh, that would be game over. That would be the end of his career com- yeah, completely. You just retire at that point. Because essentially, it'd be just such an arse on to get the visa and all would waste the time doing it, guys. Yeah, it would be too much. It would be too much of an ask. I would love that, though, because one, would mean the return of JKS to the scene. I do think he's a good player. I've always enjoyed his career. And two, I actually think, based on what Kassad's saying, this is why, by the way, you want people, I think, the raw eye test of all these players, he used to be JKS's coach, obviously. He knows that he'll fit the role. Like, that actually role-wise would make sense. I'll even add in as well, by the way, JKS always been a clutch player. I'd love to have another fucking clutch player on an eco team. Let's get some fucking wins, boys. Thanks. <laughs> All right, get it. Um, do some questions note. wrap then. Yeah, let's do some questions. Yeah, go on then. Let's I'll just grab a couple. So, okay, if people don't know, we don't obviously have a Patreon anymore, hence why y'all ain't paying me, and hence why y'all don't get to be my fucking... But you're never my boss anyway, let's be real. No one's ever my boss, understand that. In fact, it's me saying to my bosses, you're not my boss, it tends to get me fired. I've never actually been fired, don't worry about that. I have actually, I was fired for one game, but that's it. Right, so on this one, though, we use the Grog coin, which is a type of cryptocurrency tailored by Rally specifically for us. And basically, if you own 25 of them, you can ask a question for shows like this, the Four Horsemen, and for summoning insight if you're a League of Legends fan. Go to the Discord server for insight on esports. There are some Grog coin channels. Go to the main one. There'll be a pinned tweet with like an explanation of how you buy the coin, how you get the crypto. And then once you have them, there's a channel. It'll say by the numbers BTN, you put your questions there. And if they're interesting, I ask them and, or Samuel asks them and we answer the questions. So I'll do these ones for this one. In the future, I'll just get the questions and paste them all to you. But for the moment, I'll do it. Right. Here's one for you. Let me see. Uh, there's not too many. Some of these we can do quick. Right? Here's one for you, Samuel. Right. Manikino, I'm just going to call the names out. Manikino says, What's the difference in experience between doing live content or recorded content from the perspective of a content creator? Do you prefer one or the other? Because, I mean, the reason he's asked that, I think he said it in brackets, is because obviously by the numbers famously used to be live. Well, actually, by the way, it's supposed to be live again. We were going to try doing it yeah. this week. It's just unfortunately the producer actually fell ill on the day of the recording. So we're recording it remotely again. We will have, we're going to try doing it live again. So you guys can be in the chat and type stuff that I will never read. Because if I read, it would make me melt down and destroy you all. So I'll, I'll, as usual, I'll click that little arrow to the side. <laughs> and then you can all shut the fuck up. So what do you think of that? What do you think the difference is between live and recorded for you? Uh, in terms of it's, uh, I feel like when you, well, 
uh well, it's just it's just you know pressure under the gun right because you're live there's no retakes so that's the, that's why tv that's why doing e-league was so much fun sure uh, because you know it's just like live tv that's it it's like a different kind of pressure different flavor all of a sudden it's spicy it's a little bit more spicy because you know it's just like this is the this is it go go time right in a way that never really was the same with uh when we were streaming on twitch you know it's like yeah you're streaming twitch and it's live and all that but it's esports and you know you kind of like eh, whatever it doesn't have that whole aura around it of just you know don't fuck up uh, where, whereas like E-League was just like, you had that, that or when we were going live on TBS, it was like, don't fuck up. <laughs> and you're like, okay, then. So that there's that, I mean, it's the obvious that, um, there's just a little bit of extra spice in live because you want to come up with the zingers. You want to come up with the, the quick one-liners. You want to have a, those good moments and you cherish those moments because it's just like, fuck yeah. You know, you came up with that on the spot. You nailed it. Bam. That was great. It all clicked. And, and that's a feel good moment. Right. Whereas recorded. Uh, you know, recorded, it can be, you know, you can, you, you can, you can have a bit more time to think it over. You can have do overs. Maybe I wanted to elaborate on this point and I didn't do it live. I didn't occur to me at the point, at that point in live. So, you know, you get these like other moments where it's like, it's just, it's like having training wheels on, you know, like you can, you can start over again, or like you can, you can elaborate on a point or make yourself look better, <laughs> you know, in a sense, like it is that it's just like, live is very much just straight to the straight to the truth and i think it's a bit more real and so I, I appreciate doing things live much more than i appreciate doing recorded just because you know it's like right there in the moment you got to be on you can't mess around with it the only thing is though in a way i actually think that's actually a downside of recorded content sometimes because i know a lot of people i'm the opposite because basically the reason i'm suited to live content is even when i began doing videos for youtube for example i didn't used to know a lot about text so i didn't edit back then. i used to just do it in one take yeah, and if i coughed take. or you know fucked up i'll just keep going and just live with the fucking consequences right so i always had the mindset for live anyway which is essentially you just keep going you don't you don't let yourself like for example you don't get thrown that you mispronounce something and you say you just keep fucking rolling you get it right next time right so the reason why i actually think that mindset's also more healthy is because i feel like some people use the safety net and knowing they could record again and they go way too far like i know obviously that is how youtube started with that meta where they had to do a million takes so that yeah, every half a sentence is like upbeat and like you're doing some weird like children's presenter things i always found a bit creepy personally i prefer like the vibe of someone just having a conversation but i will say too many people they think if they fuck up once and it's recorded, they have to like redo it. It's like, you don't have to do it for basic things. Like I'll give you a mad example. I don't think you even care that I'd say this. Like years and years and years ago, we're talking like six or seven years ago. I think it was Moses or Yanko, one of the two, I can't remember which one was at an event. And they were like, oh yeah, because they just released like a YouTube video. And they were like, oh, I had to record it like three times because I fucked up the first two. And I was like, just, just, Take the sentence that you did wrong out. Like, what do you what do you mean you record the whole 20-minute video? Again, like it's not a Holy theater production, you know. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I know that's mental in it. So to me, I think people can go way too far with that. Like, but as a general thing to say, I would just say it's like that. Yeah, it's more like in my opinion, live is more sort of like, it's a bit like in the moment, impromptu, think of a funny thing, mm. roll with it as you go. You, essentially, the joke is live is all about like the flow and the live momentum. Like if you don't let things get stuck somewhere or go too far away, you want to keep it all rolling, keep it nice and light, able to bounce all over the place. If you do something in a structured manner though, pre-recorded, you can just go to way higher depth and structure, can't you? You can have a whole section. You can know you're going to tie back into a point. You can set things up in a certain way. You can even edit it later. So the order's different. Like there's so many things well, you can do. There's stuff like, <clears throat> like I've, I've, there's a podcast that I follow where they do it in one go. They'll do the podcast like you and I are doing right now, except that in the post prod, then the guy comes in and they do, they shoot it in front of a green screen so that the whole, like everything that they talk about, the, the, the back of them just turns into that screen. 
And so it's like this article, this video, this whatever, okay. and it's all just like in post-production just coming in, you know? So it's like, you can do cool things like that recorded as well that I think would be a little bit harder to do live. I mean, you could in theory do that live, it just feels like it'd be a bit more demanding, but um, uh, it's just um, live, live just, you know, live just hits different. The only thing is I will say as a general approach, even though I, I do enjoy doing certain things live, the, re the main reason I prefer recorded is just so I have control of my own schedule in my life. Like I do, I think my life's at its best when I don't feel like I have to sure. do this at that time. And then, it's more like I choose when I do it. I, that's how I prefer things generally, you know. Yeah, but let's do another one. Right, architect of Korean esports based Joe, that's the alias of the guy, says, does Fortnite low-key... Oh, fuck this guy. He's, he's done this to trigger, I can tell, but we'll read it anyway. So I'll, uh, I won't okay. respond first. I'll read it first before I respond to him, okay? Right. Does Fortnite low-key have the highest skill ceiling among any esports games? APM requirements rival StarCraft, hit-scan weapons, huge maps. <laughs> I'll hold it. I'll hold it. And the dev... Sometimes changes the entire game mid-tournament, right? Oh, that, at the end he got me, didn't he? Because I was thinking it was some like thing. The last part is a troll. The part because there's no way he would present as a feature that they changed the game mid-tournament. <laughs> I wondered where he was going with that because I was even thinking there's surely no one knows enough about like APM to know that APM exists, but then would would naively think like Fortnite has as much as Starcraft. That's just a troll question, isn't it? Like put it this way, it was a well put together question. Whoever did that one, fair play to you. You, you got us at the end there. You had us well, in right. the first half. You know, you had us in the first half, but low-key, no, it does not, of course. Of course. Even when people say that thing, like, there's a lot of skill in the building. I don't give a fuck, mate. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just an elitist. I've always been one. I've never pretended to be like, all oh, esports are welcome. They're not welcome. Get the fuck out, Fortnite. Get out. <laughs> and that Booger guy winning that esports awards years ago, there's a reason I fucking left that shit. I'm not being a part of that. You're not going to tell me Booger's better than simple and fucking capsules, but you daft twat. He's definitely not. So, okay, here's the next one. This is a real question. Snake Gold asks... Is CSGO lacking something in particular to make it more popular? So do you have an idea what would make it more popular? It's obviously a mad open-ended question, but do you have any it ideas? Is. is there something I, that's missing? Do the Zoomers want something we don't have? No, it's just, I think we're, I think it's going to rubber band back. Because right now we're in this period where it's just, um, for the past few years, you know, it's just, the PC side of things makes it very difficult to advertise in CSGO. And so because it's hard to monetize a CSGO broadcast for all tournament organizers, it's always been the same. It's very difficult to monetize uh, CSGO. And so because of the whole CTNT side, you know, it's like you got guys running around planting bombs and shooting people in the face with AKs. Like it's kind of, and it, because it's so, it's so um, um, real, it's not cartoony, it's real in the sense that it, it's AKs, it's blood, it's, it's bullets, it's all that bombs. It's a very hard thing to sell. Um, so I think what's going to happen though, is that that appeals to a certain audience. And I think that audience is definitely out there. Um, it, it's clear from other games like PUBG, Tarkov, like their popularity. It's like people also want real, you know? And so I think it was just going to rubber band back. And eventually these advertisers are going to realize like, wait, hold on. Like there's this whole untapped market over here that we're not getting involved with. That's actually popping off that has millions of viewers around the world like we need to actually get involved with this somehow and it's going to rotate back around it so the pendulum will swing back around the other way so 
I don't want to to fuck with the game too much because like I feel I feel like the devs have already fucked with the game in terms of the economy to the point where I hate it still. It's still my biggest pet peeve that there's just so the economy is so forgiving now in how it plays. I wish that I, I miss it being a bit more cutthroat the way it was back in the day. It added a little bit more spice to certain rounds because you knew if they fucked up, like that was a big deal. Now it's like, oh, well, I guess they'll just, you know, force up with some rifles again. And you're just like, fuck's sake. You know, it's not the same thing. Um, <clears throat> so I, rather than make changes, like radical changes to the game to, to, in, in an appeal to bring in a, some audience, I think we stick with the game that we've got and then we try and just win over the audience. We win over the audience in the long term saying, yeah, this is not, it's not, it's, it's violent, but that's fine. Like you want that. There's a certain that appeals to a certain number of people. Just look at fighting sports, look at all the other things. Like it's there. We just have to keep going at it and not get discouraged by markets like Germany that there's they're like, never going to get it. Man. They they're never going to get it. Like, it's, it's just, you know, abandon Germany, abandon shit. Yeah, yeah. On to something else, you know? No, I, first of all, I definitely agree. Like what people don't understand about that is even if there were things you could do that would make the game more popular, some of them like Semmel's imply might just kill the spirit of the game. Like, like the whole point is, I'm sorry, if you don't like like violence and real, that is what Counter-Strike is. By definition, it's fucking simulation of counter-terrorism forces for fuck's sake. Like by definition, it has to be violent, doesn't it? Like if anything, I think it's absurd that we're all following League of Legends. It's like, oh, Timo split pushing. It's like, who gives a shit? It's a little fucking B character with a fucking, like putting out like mushrooms you can't like what's this Dora the Explorer so mm -hmm. to me Counter-Strike just is a hardcore game I, basically my answer to this one's a quick one sort of a cheat but it's one I answer often what I would do to make CS more popular so I can't do it now I'd have to do it for CS Go 2 I guess is I would just have a better fucking publishing approach in Korea and China I think basically ah, they just did okay. a really poor job with that which is why those games are never played they're not in the PC bangs over there so if you could nail that if you could figure out how to get the games in the PC bangs and get some hype the day Koreans ever en masse play the game so has seen in Overwatch what happens. Koreans would be amazing at CS4. Even in Valorant, they're pretty good now. Like, if you had enough people play, you would have a way bigger scene because if Koreans watch and play, it adds to those fucking numbers, I'm telling you. They go hard for the fucking game. So there's one. Right, let's do another question. We've got that's a, that's a, that's a really that's a good one though. That's a really yeah, it's, point. it's a pretty standard one. But yeah. I mean, that's the key to success for League of Legends for all of these massive loads of them. And that's the one thing we don't have in CS4. Basically, we don't have like a proper Asian market at the moment. Right, here's one for you. Blas says, how would you compare Brokey to other Orpers on legendary major winning teams from history? Also, how would you compare him to the other current great Orpers? What's your sense? Like in history, we're talking, there's obviously some really great players have won the major, like Kenny S, fucking device, simple. Like that's the thing. Where would you where would you put I don't put Brokey? him up there with those guys though? That's the issue. I don't I think Brokey is much more like, well, to be fair, he is the top rated player on his team now coming out that's of the strength. Yeah. So you know, he is, he is redeemed. He is, he is pushing the level up. I just don't think that he has reached that high yet. You know, he's not sure. a Kenny yet. He's not a symbol yet. He's not a device yet. He's not, but like we've pointed out, I mean, we spent, we've talked about this at length on this show today is that he doesn't need to be that yet either. The team is so deep with talent that he doesn't need to be one of these guys who just takes over a server in that fashion, the way that others have in the past, JW, et cetera. I don't know. Like JW is one, like where, you know, like he used to have that ability to take things over. He was so explosive with his play. So, I mean, I don't think that he compares in a one-to-one -one yet with any of those guys. In fact, I don't think that, um... no, I don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> 
it just occurred to me maybe maybe like fallen maybe like fallen back in the day in terms of like impact on the team because yeah it's not a bad show yeah and still had cold you know yeah, yeah. still had heavy hitters yeah, on for, team, so he didn't yeah, need of course, the hard yeah. carry so maybe that would be like the one-to-one i guess is like no actually i think by the way i think that's a pretty good call because here's you know? the other thing the, these are the players that are more about like win a big clutch with the op it's not like yeah, all exactly. in the sense of like oh, wins clutches. yeah it's not so like, it's like oh my god he got like 25 op kills on that ct side of trick right. they're not that type of more but yeah it's more like the big moment in the yeah Exactly. And so maybe Brokey, like maybe that would be your guy is that he's not, he doesn't need to be this all powerful fucking op that takes over the server. Like he's doing his job. He's clearly doing it well. And the best part about it is that he's clearly comfortable and he's getting better. So he could potentially one of these days, like shape up into be one of those players that just continues to improve and then just starts taking over the way that a simpler device or Kenny or somebody else has in the past. But I think right now, yeah, if anything, he's kind of, he's a fallen sort of guy where he's like in the middle of the pack, he's getting some key rounds here and there but he doesn't need to hard carry. Yeah, the problem is, if you think of all the people that have won the major, like, look, he's obviously better than, like, Fifth Laren, maybe even Smiths in LDLC. I'd, oh, yes. I'd, I'd say he's, he's a little bit better than more from Gambit, a little bit. But, the, but as you say, if you go to the top end, the Simples, you can forget about that. Like, they would, like contender for best player in the world and they were far away the best players in their teams their whole teams revolve around them as you say Brocky isn't that sort of player in fact I think the good thing for Brocky is this I actually feel mega vindicated mate because I told people all last year for the last two years that the flaw was like last year Brocky was probably the best player in this team along with Twists right maybe even could have been Brocky if he's your best player then you're not going to do shit but if he can be like he is now like your third best player now we can start talking mate because now he actually can do that now he can do that with some consistency Consistency, he can give me that impact. And I've got enough good players elsewhere. I even think Brokey's a really weird opera because you know the story, if people don't know, is before he joined FaZe, he wasn't an opera apparently. He just took that role for the team. Well, you can see it because if you see the way he ops, a traditional opera's actual best strength is distance. You want to be as far away as possible. This guy's better when he's close up. If this guy's close range, like peak, think about when he's at the top of like uh, long on dust two, where he's around the bomb site, like peeking around those boxes. He's the guy who gets the three or four kills like that. He's not the guy who looks down long ear and kills the guy jumping in the pit with like tracking edge that's the bites like that's the classic opera so to me brokey is not like a op you could build your team around but if you can throw him in the mix like this and make him work with the rifle group you can see it obviously works mega effective so i'd say of the people who've won the mage he's probably in the middle of the opera's i would guess if not anywhere near the top but he's definitely better than the fifth lines of the world obviously they were at, the, at their career worst when they won the major right let's move on here's one for you Oh, there's a couple that are about Richard. So, okay, that's be interesting. Right, BZ says, in honour of Richard Lewis, what would you say his greatest contribution of, that should be two, to Counter-Strike would be? What do you think his greatest contribution to CS was, similar? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm kind of conflicted because I want to say that he set the bar as a host. Oh, I did. Yeah, like, he he really did set the bar as a, as a host. Like all hosts that came after Richard, because uh, Richard was still around, right? But hey, I mean, yeah. all, all all hosts that came after Richard had to still measure the measure up to Richard. And uh, I mean, if anything, like that's going to be it. Because I mean, his journalism. Yeah, I mean, obviously, his journalism. That's the thing. Is his journalism is his his journalism is excellent, and he's broken some big stories in the space. So, but as far as like in my, in my sphere, in the talent side of things, I would say that, you know, his, him being a host is just like one of the best hosts that we've had period. And he set the bar early on as well. So I would have to go with that. 
Yeah, the problem with this topic, obviously, is he did so many things and so well. Like exactly. people, what Samuel's talking about in terms of being a host, for example, the best way I would describe it is this. Before Richard became a host, hosts really were... This, I, I'll give you an example. You know when Shox just did this event and everyone's praising all the prep she did and what a great job she had? You didn't have to do any of that as a host back in the day. The joke was a host back in the day was literally someone like Sir Scoots just taking from the headset like... Right. Uh, okay. The finish with the break. Right. And now Thorin, what do you what do you think about how Fnatic won that game? And then I just do the rest. Like it, you just throw me the bit on at the beginning, and I do all the rest. Now the host, if you notice, runs a proper show. They not only take headset confirmation. They then like Norway. Right, we're going to hit this topic first, and I'm going to bring Pimp in because he has a point on how the CT side of Nuke goes for Astralis, and then I'm going to bring Maui in for how they might put. Now it's like a full rundown show. And by the way, that all comes from the kind of shows Richard did on E League. Like I've told this story before. He didn't have a fucking teleprompter. He actually told them, "Just get rid of the teleprompter. I'm not going to use it." That was blowing their minds. I know fans don't get this. People who do real TV have less chops than people like Richard Lewis. They would if you drop them. I've seen this happen, dude. It actually happened at the Champions League final. Final. The Champions League final in soccer was a different TV network had bought the rights than normally does most of the football, right? And so everyone flamed the fuck out of them because what happened was the police, the French police had this like battle with some of the fans and it delayed the show starting. And so during this time, classic esports moment, they needed to fill and they had a real TV host with some of the most famous English football players of all time, Samler. And these guys were choking. These guys had nothing. They couldn't fill impromptu on topics they aren't talked about. The host, how do they know how much time's in their ear? Remember, to a normal human, that's terrifying. You don't know if you have 10 seconds before you have to throw or 10 minutes and you have to talk and extend for 10 minutes. People like Richard not only could handle that, you guys don't even know when they were doing it. I've heard in the in the headset, Phil, just no, no time limit, Phil. And then I've just seen, he would just, he would just calmly turn... Earlier in the tournament, people were asking questions, though, is Faye's going to eventually win the major? Though, I thought it would just instantly segue. And, you wouldn't, and, and on, the joke is the reason why you guys were typing, Cash just stopped talking, is because you don't, he was so good, you don't even know that that was a fill. He was, he just nailed it. So, yeah, Horst is actually probably the most underrated aspect he did. People act like he did fuck all. He was mega. By the way, on E-League, I thought he was probably the best horse we've ever had in CS. I he just so, nailed yeah. it. He was at the peak. E -League, e he fucking knocked it out of the park, crushed it. So I think Horst's a pretty good one because, yeah, maybe it's not noticed, but I do think he's the reason why we now have this level up and we're better on that side. If I had to just throw something in there for the journalism, all I'll say is this. For me, I actually think the most important thing Richard did is best seen by like this Iron Curtain series he's doing now. It's when he would actually treat esports, a field that does not in any context deserve to be treated seriously as a real world like endeavor. He took this silly little video game owned by the most evil people in the world, played by the stupidest, most capricious people in the world and supported by people who pay nothing and have nothing to say. And he treated it like it was a real domain that should be like respected. Like we should actually like talk about ethics. We should bring in, this is the thing he did similar for me was bring the real world to esports. He decided we're not just going to talk about esports like it's just games. We're going to talk about the fact that you're fucking over a young person's livelihood when you ban their team in one way, but you don't apply the ban to another person from the same country. Essentially, like I say, he brought esports, this silly little side niche hobby, and treated it like it was a real world field that should actually be held to the highest standards. Because if people don't do that, we'll never be there. People aren't themselves going to force themselves to a higher standard. You have to make them come up to that standard. And so for me, that's what Richard did. He set the standard. He would come in and say, this level of professionalism must be met. And if it does not, I'm going to, I'm going to call people out. I'm going to call even the best players in the world and biggest money men out for this shit. So that's not a small feat. Very few people ever did anything like that. He did it way more than I did, put it out way. I just followed his suit. 
Now, here's another Richard one, actually. It says, Skarsgård says, keeping the Richard Lewis-themed questions, what is your favourite memory or story with Richard at an event from the past years of working here? So it's an event story. Give me an event story about Richard Lewis. Could be a public one, private <laughs> oh. one. Do you have one? A Richard Lewis story? No, that I can repeat on stream? Sadly, I blew that one from last week, didn't I? The EZPZ Liquid Squad yeah, said the, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the, I should have saved it if I had known. That would be mega. I know. I'm trying to think of another one now. Let me think. Dude, no, I mean, like, the, it's always just revolving around meeting up for drinks after the venues. Uh, Could like, be off the camera one. Yeah, sure. It was just always, but that was always it. No, it was just like he would be at the bar and you always fill in yeah, yeah. Richard at the bar after yep. the event. At the end of the day, you go back to the bar, you have a cold one with Rich and you shoot the shit and whatever topic it might be, that was going to be it. And so uh, like, I remember him even going so far as like, shit, what, I can't remember which year it was, but uh, DreamHack, you know how it's Elmia. We're in Bible Belt country of Sweden, right? Where everything closes early. <laughs> There's no, you know, there's not, <laughs> everything closes. There's no like parties that go later, any of that yep. shit. And so DreamHacks, that was the issue with DreamHacks is you didn't know how long you'd be at the studio. It could be, you could be done in eight hours. You could be done in 15 hours. You had no fucking idea. But the problem is, is that that bar closed at a certain, uh, at a certain hour, you know? And I remember Richard once, you know, that was the thing. It was like, he was the first, it was always like the first guy back to the bar. You better get some drinks for people. Awesome. He fucking showed up and he got a whole like, rack of beer and like oh and so you actually all end up getting a you drink as a result yeah. right he, I fucking, he went back Cable. and he stocked up yes. and he made sure that we were all looked after like we had beers that night because he fucking went back and got a whole case of them and all that sort of stuff just to make sure because we didn't know again like shit we show up an hour later after the bars closed that's it you're shit out of luck you're not you're not having a drink at the end of the day so yeah richard looked after us that way and he was always uh he was always uh you know bang on the money that way man I've got a couple of stories for you. I've got two for right. you, and then we'll move on because we'll have to wrap it I just got to, yeah, yeah. Here we go. There's one. People might actually know if they're old school enough, this story, but I just think it just shows what, he's, what type of person he was. The first ever Gfinity that I did in CSGO was the one that was in that Copper Box Arena in London. And if you remember, it was the one where Virtus Pro won over Titan in the final, if people remember this match, right? And at this tournament, this was the one where it was delayed and so when the final was being played, they were kicking people out of the venue because it, it was past 10 p.m. And so literally they were taking the whole crowd assembly and coming and saying, like, you've got to leave now. Like, you've got to go. As the finals all going on. So what Richard did was, even though it's not his event and he wasn't, he was just thought, he wasn't even the host, but he was just an analyst like me. He just got up, he went over and he started talking to the security guys. And he just basically found out, like, who do I, who's the main guy I talked to? And he just got to the security and he said to them, right, what is the issue? Why are people being removed? And he found out basically it's because the security guys have now finished their shift like their time has finished mm. no one's going to pay them to stay longer so logically if you don't have security you cannot for like fire reasons so you cannot have a crowd in a, a stadium without security basically so what richard did for real was he said right let me go back to the organizers and tell me how much would it have to cost to pay overtime? Like how much can we keep some that? And basically he went, even though it wasn't his event, he went back and forth between these people. And by the way, this is the era when we were probably making like 600 euros for the whole event ourselves. We we're on big day rates. This is like 2014. He went to the people and he managed to literally get the, 
get Gfinity to agree to pay overtime and then get the security guys to agree to pay while they waited to see that they were going to. And eventually the crowd got to stay and finish the final. That is incredible. Like, you know, again, as I'll stress one more time, he had nothing to do with this. He's just a guy on camera working. That's it. But he just went and fixed the whole problem for the fucking Gfinity people. And mm-hmm. the second one is this. It's quite a recent story. You might know the joke, but you don't know what happened afterwards. So here's the thing. At the major, I had what I thought was straight fire. I made a joke where when Virtus Pro had won a game, might have been against FaZe or something, because they're famously, they're the guys who drag every game out, paid by the hour, you know all the jokes. Every game's 30 rounds. So I made, obviously the joke about VP is they are the hardest team to fucking beat in CSGO, aren't they? you can never put them away. So I said, these guys are harder to beat than a fucking Viagra addict. And then, like you do when you think of a joke on stage, I thought, if I can tag someone, that's going to be funnier. So I go, Joe Biden. Even though... <laughs> Like that actually doesn't really even work. Like it sort of vaguely works. Like he's old, and like, but it doesn't really work. Like it's not really a great joke. But this is the funny part. This is why it's my favorite memory because the camera shot was on me as I'm saying the Joe Biden line, right? But I can see because I'm always at the end of the desk and Richard's always at the other end. I can just look and I'm just looking right at Richard and the look on his face. I've seen this look many times on this show on broadcast. It's a look that goes like this. On the one hand, begrudgingly, what I've said is funny, so a little bit of mirth, <laughs> but then also a bit of trepidation, knowing that I might now have just caused an international incident. And then thirdly, that sort of vibe of like, why always when you're on my broadcasts? Or there was sort of that big, <laughs> didn't there, you know? But at the same time, laughing at it. So I just remember thinking like that. Essentially, that's the last moment I'll ever get to do that to Richard, just sort of like play with his emotions of his whole career of the show while he's just sat there right there like, oh, see that? See that? Oh, that nerve, that nerve trigger. So <laughs> that basically that. So just one last, one last edgy little ride for the boys. Exactly. There you go. It was a ride. It was a ride. Because basically the joke was all right, but the second I said Joe Biden, I can see <laughs> his went, whole face oh, just fucking like, like, why have you done that? I know exactly. Like, why has he just literally said the name? Not even hasn't even masked it. Anyway, you know, he said like like the US president. You've just said his name directly. There's no there's no shading. There's no new one. I know exactly. I know. Not like, this US president, of course. I meant the last one. Or- well, to be fair, maybe I would name the wrong Biden. I should have just said Biden. There you See what go. I did there? Anyway, we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. So, right, the next question. There's only four left here. Oh, there's five. Here we go. Here's one for you. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. Archives of Justinian says, what is the biggest upset during a playoff series that you called correctly going into it? Oh, Do you ever have one? Do you ever have like a crazy call you made where an upset happened and you actually, you for real said it? Obviously, the spoiler here is the 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 fucking Thanos of this is Anders because he just picks every fucking upset. Doesn't what, make yeah, sense. that doesn't get the count, Anders. You don't get that bit. You don't. No, get I'm that. not. I, I'm not going to be able. To you ever have one? You read? I, don't, I don't. The best one's the one where it's like you just feel like this team will do it, even if everything else says otherwise. You know. Fuck. The thing is, is like I rem- I can remember, but I can't remember the details. No, I don't have. I, I can't remember. That's too. On it's going to be a tough one for sure. That's a tough one. I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head anything like that. Let me think. What would that that's be? Because we don't keep track of the predictions. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, yeah. the, that's the issue is that it all just becomes a blur, you know? Because then you're not really paying attention to predictions. You're just kind of like throwing them out there and like, hey, you know, it works out. I mean, obviously, I've had a few good runs at blast, you know, where, where we were keeping score because we finally convinced them to keep score, you know, so that it would actually be a running thing, a running tally throughout the events. They were the only ones to, to do it at first. Uh, still are, aren't they? I don't know if they're still doing it or not, but but yeah, no, it's that's. Oh. No, not off the top of my head. Sorry, to the problem with that question. It's actually a good question. It's just the downside. It's because you've said biggest. 
it's really hard to think. Like, if you just said a random upset, maybe I could pick one. But like the biggest is what makes it hard. Because like, how many times have I ever called one of the biggest upsets of all time? Like it will have happened, but it's hard to remember. Unfortunately, I'm trying to think what squads it even could be that I might have picked. Because I know I used to pick a lot of like dignitas ones. Let me think. Who could I have picked for these ones? Did I ever pick G2 to beat? No, I, I, I don't think we can do this one. We'll skip. Anyway, oh. here's the thing. Maybe we'll return to that in a future week or something. Two fucking... Got Pounder 420. Hey. popular. Says, okay, someone might not be able to do this, but we'll see. You are creating an NBA team from scratch. You have the first overall pick and can pick any player from history. Who would you pick? Oh, you can do it. It's historical. Essentially, if you had to start an NBA team, you could pick any player in history. Who would your number one pick be? Who would you take? Because hmm. he's sort of shaded in your noises. Like you're not necessarily only picking the best. You're also sort of trying to figure out like for a squad, who would you want and who would you start your team with and all that jazz, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just for the Bants, I think you'd have to go with, like, Barkley, you know? That's a pretty good one, sure. You know, cause just because not only is he going to kill it on the court, but... Oh, the market would be, be great. Yeah, of course. Exactly. The locker room, he's going to be funny as fuck, too. So uh, I'd probably go with Barkley and just kick it off from there because I've always liked his attitude. He's fucking killing it on... Oh, he's like, also a mega NBA player as well. Yeah, sure. Dude, he's rad. Got to meet him at a bar once in Atlanta. He just randomly walked in at the bar that, that was by uh, by the place that we were staying. So uh, that was cool as well. So yeah, probably. This is the funny thing. I don't know if he. I don't actually know this guy. He's obviously like a patron of mine as well. I don't know actually like what he was thinking with this question though, because I get the vibe that since he did like the building a team a full five man roster, like, or does he just want the one player? No, no, he just wants the first player. Basically, it's the idea. It's from scratch. Because here's the thing. I actually think. Even though a lot of fans would just do what they would do, basically, same as in CSGO, if you ask the same question, they go simple. So they'd say Michael Jordan, right? It's the obvious one you go with. But here's the reason why I actually want to pick Michael Jordan, because he's just said that I'm making the team from scratch. And here's the thing people might not know about Michael Jordan's career. I actually, I'm, I'll one day do a video about this on my side channel. I actually think if Michael Jordan didn't get Phil Jackson as his coach, I don't think he ever would have won an NBA championship. Because if you don't know, he was a very selfish player. And he was a player, much like a Nico, where because he was so good, it's like life never taught him he was wrong. He always just thought he was right. And so if you don't know, some of the players, Michael Jordan, before he got his championship teams, asked to be traded to his team. They were shocking me. He, this guy was a guy, he would have done a Stewie 2K. He would have made a dog shit squad. Like of people who were friends or like they were good like three years ago. It made, He had some really dodgy tastes. So the difference is, I actually think to me, the two answers for this, there's two people I would choose between. You can take whichever you want you want. You, in my opinion, it's either Magic Johnson or Larry Bird. And the reason why is this, ah, and I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna take Larry Bird personally. The reason why is this, those are two players who basically are your best player, but also run the whole team. Like Magic Johnson's the, probably the best passer in the NBA history. Larry Bird's also very good at that. The reason I would take Larry Bird is this, because you not only had an all-round game, he was also an amazing clutch player. Like this guy's gonna sh- shoot the last shot and win me so you can do so many things in my team if I have that as my first piece mate, I can make loads of different choices and make a great team so I'll, t- I'll take Larry Bird bit of a bit of an unorthodox pick but no, I'll take I like it. that's I like it it's uh that's that's the problem is um time it's just out of time but like uh, I watched um the last dance again recently and there's quite a bit of you know just talking about Larry Bird sure and that and it's, it's great to get that kind of insight because if you weren't watching the games back then actively you know it's, it's kind of hard to go back and like figure out like where you should even start to be able oh, to for sure. try and put the pieces yeah together. yeah so when you have documentary series like that that come out that kind of give you at least a little bit of a window in it's pretty cool so yeah Larry Bird definitely uh right, we've only got three more so let's get through them here's one 
Henorda says, can Nico make it work with a top-tier IGL before the end of his individual prime? You think it'll ever happen for him? With a top-tier... I mean, I think we've established this already. If it doesn't happen with Alex, I don't think it happens at all. I mean, it's, um, eventually the window's got to close, right? Like, here's the thing. I'll give Nico this credit. Like Simple, he does just seem to defy all the laws of, like, you should age and eventually not get that good of a game and drop off. He does seem to somehow just keep being amazing every year. But even so, everyone has a window. Eventually, there'll be a period where Nico's just a good player. He's not, like, a supernova, like, transcendable. And when he's that player, by the way, he better have already won with a good IGL because at that point, you won't be able to call all his shots, will he? Like, he's not going to be the god emperor at that point, is he? But do you think he's already there? <laughs> Like, I, I feel like I'm worried about him already being at the threshold of that period of time where he's going to start not because I think it'll it'll it's not going to be like overnight with him. He's so good raw, like raw skill that it's going to take time, but he may already be on that downward. I think that's why like this whole so high. You know, he's still he's still that's why I think this whole scenario is a bit too dirty, though, Samler, because really what we're all assuming basically is that we're assuming, right? Well, if Nico's not playing well, it must be like the IGL on the team. It's like for all we know, maybe Nico's just in a slump. Could that be that too, yeah, right? It could 100% be it as well. Absolutely, I mean, he's also, yeah. He's also getting older as well, like which is, you know, it's just it, he's by no means old yet, not by CS standards, but like he is getting older. So it could be a question of, you know, like, does he have a girlfriend? Is there, you know, like, are there other... That's even an area he doesn't get credit for, by the way. One area Nico doesn't get credit for is look how many years he kept himself in amazing playing shape. Like this guy, you know, if people win championships, also often they have a year or two, then they go off the boil. They stop fucking giving a shit. They get the money and just phone it in. Here's the one thing I'll say about Nico. I don't think he's ever phoned it in. He always looked like he put in the fucking hours and turned in the server and tried to frag out. Like, you've got to give yeah. him that. His longevity has been very impressive. Yeah. I have to say... This is actually a tougher question than you think, because yeah, the key thing is how many more years does he get of his prime? Even if you give him two years, that might only be like one or two more IGLs. So I have to say, at the moment, it sort of looks like I'm maybe more on the north side. Maybe he doesn't get it together. I hope he does. That's why the scenario I'm in is a really tough one. Like as fucked up as it sounds, the reason why I also low key wouldn't mind if Nico left G2 now is because the reason I want G2 to succeed is because Carlos is a friend of mine. So I actually care about that team succeeding. But if Nico really is just the fucking spoiled kid making all these demands, then I actually want him to just fail on his own and fuck off. Like just, just take your lumps for what you do. There's yeah. only two more. Then we're finished. Yeah. Tea time says valve comes to you and tells you that source two is going to be released after the next major. It might even be true. And this time, they're scared about Valorant Esports destroying the injured Golden Goose of CS Esports. They come to you to recreate the scene in ways that you feel are realistic. How would you do it as people inside Valve? So basically, if you had Valve's power, what would you do to make so that like Valorant can't overtake CS or sort of take its shine? Because obviously, we, we might have the Source 2 engine coming soon, right? Do you have any ideas what you'd like to do on a Valve end? Exactly what Valve are doing right now which is to uh, make sure at whatever cost you do not fuck up the transition from source to source two and you maintain the skin market because that's the, that's the golden goose that's keeping everything running. The, the whole ecosystem of the game, it's take, like if there is a way into China, it is through that as well because that's where a lot of the money is yeah, coming yeah, from. Yeah, no the skin market is those is the Chinese guys and they like to show off. They start having those that kind of money, that kind of flex. And then all of a sudden more people maybe get interested in China more so than ever. So valve i think right now are being very shrewd and that they're not rushing things they're really taking their time making sure that what makes csgo a compelling game not only is it a great game but it also has great skins and has a great skin market and has a great opportunity for for artists to make money so there's always going to be interest there like i think that they're being very shrewd about it and um and they're approaching it the way that they should and in, in that just don't fuck up the skins like just make sure that whatever you do 
you're still going to have the skins and you're still going to have the skin market because then you'll, you'll still have a game. There's still a reason for Valve to be interested in the game. If the skin market, for whatever reason, takes a hit tomorrow, that's what's making money for Valve, and that's what's keeping those guys interested. Valve are extremely ruthless when it comes to opportunity cost. If, if a developer at Valve could be better, you know, could be spending his time doing something else that's more lucrative, then all of the pressure at the company is pushing him towards that other thing, which is why esports guys at Valve really get, take a lot of flack from the other employees at Valve because the other employees are just like, why aren't you working on this AI or why aren't you working on this other shit or whatever, you know, this other stuff that's going to make us billions of dollars when, you know, you're only making a couple hundred million over here. Like, you know, I'm just throwing numbers out there, but like, that's the way that they think about it. When it comes to esports for them, it's just like a loss, you know, that you could be better spent, you know, fine tuning the steam marketplace or figuring something else out to do with your time. And so right now, like the, 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 the CS guys, in order for us to continue having CS, they need to make sure that they keep CS profitable and keep it printed money. Cause otherwise Valve will also, they, it'll turn into team fortress. They won't care. They'll just be like, Oh yeah. Okay, fine. No, that was cool. While it lasted, it's not making money anymore. Okay, fine. Fuck it. And there won't be any more majors and there won't be anything else. It'll just, it'll just fade into nothing. And that's, and we'll, we'll be just left with our dick in our hands and ESL running the show. So that's my perspective. At least I'm, I'm, I'm I think that uh, we just need to make sure that we continue to have a game and then we can go from there. Right. You're not going to like this. None of you are going to like this. But here's what I'd do if I were Valve. First thing I would do is I would, this is why you're not going to like it, because it actually probably would have the end result of the opposite of what you said, which is make CS more popular, make it better. I'd make the game harder. I'd actually take it back to its roots a bit. Like, for example, I would make, one thing I would love to remove that I thought was one of the biggest abominations ever when they put it in CS was when, because they were trying to combat bunny hopping, which is quite niche anyway, they made it so that just like in CS, when you hit the ground, you sort of like, inertia slows down a bit. Yeah, I'd remove that. Like, I think essentially, if you can, because here's the thing, people wouldn't be bunny hopping all the time, but people sometimes would use like a skill jump to do like a jump over long year or something like that, right? And the reason why that's good is because think about all the complaints you get now about how dominant the AWP is. The more I can dodge, the less the AWP hits me. If I can jump around a corner like that with two people, the AWP's not going to hit every person. That's going to be really hard to hit, like a flick shot like that. So like anything that essentially raises the skill ceiling a little bit, I think just makes CS, because like I said at the beginning of the episode, that's what CS is about. It's a hardcore game. So to me, I want it to be a lot of skill expression. I want it to be a mere... Like what I'd love is this, because it already sort of low-key happens among the people who come from CS4 Assembler. If someone is the best in Valorant, they will point out like, but you can't quite carry the same way you can in CSGO. That's the point. That's what you want CSGO's vibe to be. That it's like the highest skill level. It's the, it's, it's the Chad game, you know. You want it's it to be game. like, yeah, exactly. Let this be the little kids game, the, the Babby's version of CSGO for Valorant. That's that's the vibe you want in the market. It's the same thing with League and Dota. You know, it's just like, if you figure out the Dota's there, you should be playing Dota. You should oh, absolutely, playing, yeah. You know, uh, it's, a, it's the same thing. All right, one last question, and then we're done. We'll obviously ask questions for next week if you want, and they might even be answered live. We'll see. Right, the last question is, IDW, please fuck my girlfriend, GF, which just means I will dominate. He's a guy I do a show with in League of Legends. It says, when was the CSGO meta at its best? So what's your take? When was your favorite CSGO meta? What would you pick? Man, off the top of my head, for whatever reason, I guess I'm just kind of like stuck back then because it just annihilated both of those players at the same time. But like Kenny and JW peak offing 
was so explosive. Oh, the so pre-op nerf was legit, wasn't it? Yeah. Pre-op nerf, like those guys, what they could do is just take over and like rule with an iron fist. Like players, I mean, now obviously there's players like that, that, you know, excuse me, simple, whatever. But like peak Kenny S, everybody was scared. Like everybody was afraid of him. Nobody, like you could, him, like you could just see how his opponents played differently if he was on the server. Um, and it was really obvious back then. So if I, if I had to have like a favorite meta, it was pre-op nerf, just like right at that moment, peak their powers, JW and Kenny were just so entertaining to watch. They were so yeah, great. It was really like they got to express themselves because as soon as that off nerf happened, man, it just tanked them. That was it. They, it was so tragic. And I think that kind of leans into what you were talking about as well in terms of like the mobility of being able to be quick and try it was against the nerf. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was such a, such a shame that they felt like they had to go that. And again, that is like lowering the skill ceiling. It's just making it so that it's, you know, instead of having these highs, these extremes of what these guys are capable of, we're just going to go ahead and artificially bring that down so that everybody's, you know, you can all be mediocre together. Um, And yeah, I don't like, I don't like decisions like that at all. Um, If, if personally, and again, like rolling, you know, if if we wanted to raise skill ceiling or whatever, like I'd get, I might roll it back to uh, pre uh, economy change as well. And just bring it back to cutthroat, hard resets, get fucked. You know, uh, it, you could have more one-sided games, but also it, it just, it was so intense because you'd have these rounds. And as a commentator, I guess it's being selfish a bit as a commentator as well, because we could build up the story around those rounds really well. You know, there was, there, you could build the tension in the cast because you knew, okay, they have to hard ego now, but this is the gamble that they're taking. And you could just build it up and you know, like, okay, and now we're going to get into this round. And now let's see, like, what does Pronax have up his sleeve, blah, blah, blah right you could really build up these these sick narratives in the game and kind of gave you that ebb and flow and now it just feels very deflating when it's like oh shit that's that's a big deal they won this round oh, awesome and then the next round you just already see the team that lost the round just buying fucking rifles and, sh- and you're just like how do they have the money for that <laughs> you know so that is still one thing that kind of just takes away a little bit of that hype for me um even to this day it's still just one of those things that still irks me just the the, the economy Here's the thing. I actually also thought the same thing because obviously famously I'm like, I was never a big fan of the opener. For people who don't know, when me and Semler did an episode of Snipe, it's on my, it's, it's on like YouTube somewhere. Someone actually made a video of that like 20 minute argument, me, you, Pimp and Lurperside were out. It was like me versus you three guys. Like, no, the op is still the best or whatever. whatever. We had that whole like debate about it. But anyway, uh-huh. the problem is though, the reason I wouldn't pick that era overall, because I agree for the op, it was mega. The downside is this, Semler. That was also the, the exact period when both the CZ and the Tech were broken like that i did not like i fucking hated that yeah because obviously i love tactical counter-strike and those guns by definition destroy tactical counter-strike so the problem is i'm actually going to pick a boring answer because i actually think when i think of all the years of cs i'm going to pick 2016 now you're going to think i can't even remember what the meta was that's why it's the only time period ever i can think of when there's nothing busted in the meta like the rifles are fairly balanced the pistols are fairly balanced the map pool's fairly good it's just basically when it's like right leave that leave it valve leave it but then they have to go can i just take out this good map and put in new no no, don't do that. Don't stop, stop doing that. Like, what's <laughs> the problem with Valve? Valve software nerfs and buffs things like a cat looking at you, knowing that it's not allowed to knock this glass off. You go, hey, 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 stop that. And they go, you don't like this, do you? No. But you're like, oh, why you why you wait, wait, wait 10 seconds to knock it? Because they have to fuck with you. So that's what Valve is. That's Valve, Valve's the cat knocking it off at the end. Like, <laughs> so that, this is the one time where I held its arm up. Stop, stop knocking it. There you go. 
that's the, uh, dude, that's the perfect that's the perfect that's the analogy for you yeah, call not <laughs> that's the perfect that's the perfect show all right chris is still in the picture oh, still very much in the round oh chris he's found three it's down to a two no on two chris can he close this with an ace oh my god he gives him a chance to lead so this cz kill could be everything finally zeus oh. he does something Looking for a second, he connects it. Oh, and he gets a third as well. Surely he's not going to...